Podcast. That was, of course, the In Your Face mix of Girl Balls, Girl Balls. by our guest today, the one and only Killy Dwyer. That's me. Hi. Oh. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it's you pleasure. coming on the show. Pleasure's all yours. Um, I first discovered Killy's work through the <laughs> Epic Podcast, as we've had so many connections to this show from, mostly because I'm friends with all of them, and I drag them onto our show, Kicking and Screaming. Uh, only the first time. They come back. They come back after. Yeah. That's true. We don't force them. But on. I first heard Killy's work because she was a guest on that podcast, and um, recently, within the last six months, reached out to me on Twitter. Uh, just to plug her stuff, and I said, "Hey, you should come on our podcast." And so she did, and here she it's is. Like, heck yeah! So, um, so thank you for joining us. Killy, of course, is a New York-based um, indie rocker, 
Mockstar. Mockstar. Yeah. Um, and I so think you. I coined that phrase. I believe so. I don't I, know that I I've heard it probably, before. You. you know, copyrighted. Or Trademark whatever. it. Trademark it. Thank you. Thank you. You're yes, welcome. I should. Mockstar, as an M O C K star. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Instead of rock star, yes, mockstar. Rock mocking star. stars, or but, you know, a mock up I of a star. I do a lot of uh, mocking of celebrity and okay. uh, politics, and um, you know, men. <laughs> I'm just not the present company excluded, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, you know, so it's a sort of fit goes well with it there you go mock star um so again i appreciate you coming on the show um i guess let's talk a little bit about your music first you do mostly i guess, I guess if I you mean, want to well, we might as well i mean that's kind of what we do um so you do comedy music you also do some great straight rock music you do all sorts of stuff where did your starter music kind of come from uh well i uh you know i, I Jeez, choir, Glee Club, Glee of Club, course. of course. It had to be in Glee Club. Was it just like on the TVs? It was just like on the TVs. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I got encouraged to get into musical theater. Um, I was... Uh, I was a little bit of a problem child. I don't know if uh, that makes any sense, but um, I was, uh, uh, I, I actually was um, forced to go out and, and be in the trailer with the problem kids, the, you know, the ones that were, uh, you know, autistic and... Um, the trailer? The trailer. There was oh. a trailer behind my school, and that's where the problem kids would go, and I just sort of was, like, you know, antsy and wanted to get up and talked a lot, and, like, they just didn't know what to do with okay, me. Okay, I see. See, I, our school had a whole other building. Oh, yeah, no. It, it's like, if it's a, if it's a lesser school Catholic then it has school. a lesser trailer i got you <laughs> well, just okay a, we were just like seven of us in a trailer and like you know they had major problems but um i think my major problem was that i was uh you know just a hyper kid you know and and back then you know in the <laughs> 1920s you were just uh, a they were like what do we do with this young lass um so I, they encouraged me to start to get into um, musical theater, and I did Your Good Man Charlie Brown, which is, uh, um, of course, Peanuts uh, musical, and I played uh, Patty in that. Um, but I, hello. <laughs> and uh, yeah, totally, and then in college, I lived it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm married. See, I come full circle. There you go. But I was really, I was really into. Uh, gosh, I was just, fell right into it. I mean, it was, I it fit like a glove. I was great, great at it right away. It was something I didn't have to work hard at, and that used my monkey mind um, in the in a in a really um, a place where people actually say, "Hey, be more crazy." Yeah, yeah be ramp more, that can up. We get some more just of that. Channel uh, that. Some of that. More of that craziness. Um, you could ad lib, and it was, it was. I was really, I got to the point where I was just being really encouraged to be myself. Mm. So, um, you know. It, went into high school when I did like I said Glee Club and um, and I was I just always been drawn to theatrical music in general um, you know Bowie <laughs> you know it's, it's just like stuff like that um, just I really I'm drawn to that kind of music um, Queen hi uh, so I did did uh, lots of plays and musicals in um, high school and but I still I thought you know, why not go to college and study opera? Hey, hey, there's a fun thing to do because I really didn't know. What the segue I was... is not immediately apparent. I, I want not, you to know. Yeah, I know. I just didn't really know what I wanted, but I wanted the basics of training in singing. You know, so oh. I, because I, um, basically, I just wanted to go and get away from my parents. That's what I, <laughs> I really left for college like two weeks after um, after high school ended. I started in the summer session and I started in opera. I double majored. Hi, I'm like a go getter. Um, double majored in opera and musical theater um, to cover all my bases. Um, and I quickly realized that opera was a little uh, not up my alley. Stuffy. Yeah, a little, a little stuffy. 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 Yeah. Got into a bit of trouble in, in school there. Well, um, you're not supposed to ad-lib, 
opera. I dropped the yeah. F-bomb in a couple Puccini plays. They did plays, not really you know. appreciate my, uh, what I'd been so encouraged in in high school. <laughs> it's your vision. And that's, grade that's, school. Yeah, they yeah. were a little more like, can you pull it back? And, <laughs> you know, and it was a very, it was very specific about training and it was a great way to learn how to sing, you know, which sure. I, uh, to this day, I use technique that I was taught there. Um, but I got, I really did literally get into pretty a lot of trouble in, in college. And um, Was this before the whole new opera phase? Because now Strangely enough, the Met is like opera. really trying to bring in all this stuff, right? Because like, they they're they realizing the seats they're losing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and people, I mean, opera is a beautiful art form. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 just hard to appreciate something that's so sort of out of touch yeah. uh, with today. It doesn't have to be out of touch, but it, you know, I think people just aren't connected yeah. to that sort of. Um, it's a shame. I feel people should channel it, but it's certainly not for everyone. Like it's it's not the medium exactly. What it's not what I yeah. call self-expression. It's more like reliving what they were doing then. I feel like you have to have a more historical mind. Right. For it. Which I think the reinvention of stuff like that yeah. is, is a helpful thing, like you were saying. Exactly. And um, I don't know if you guys ever have gone to the opera here in New York I've City, not the been Met to an anything. opera. I've not. Even I, like, I've I wanted study to it. I've, I've never had the money for that full length, like, it is, Met ticket. It's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. And, they, you know, and the thing is, is that it used to be for the people and it used to be for, you know, I mean, you could sit in the front and, uh, you know, throw tomatoes if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. And it was a much more exciting um thing but it sort of evolved as a lot of theater and um music um, did evolved into this sort of like thing for the only the rich and um uh people who could afford to go and i think that's where they kind of lost uh you know just the little people like us you know all this has been changing like crazy recently like 2009 lincoln center is really like revamping this whole thing yeah yeah but prior to that they were realizing like we are losing seats like Big time, and it was still like just a thing for the rich, and they wanted to say no, it's not that anymore. So now we're starting to see a turn there, but yeah, maybe, I, maybe not when you were doing it. To, <laughs> so. like, I'd be curious to know, like even like how many people are even studying it this, at this point. I mean, yeah. in, in, a, in a in a way that they really feel like they're going to go on to be. Well, I I was in a know? music department in SUNY New Paltz, but the people that I knew who were studying it, they had to go to Italy to do it properly. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they came back, and they're like, well, now I'm a little better off. Right. I was blessed. I was blessed. Oh God. Ugh. You know, don't if I use that word again, <laughs> throw my hot tea in my face <laughs> uh i was uh, lucky t- that my college was very uh, was pretty well known and you know you wouldn't think that bowling green state university would be well known for uh, their opera program but they mm. were and and they you know it was nice to have sort of a structure but i also was realized i was real starting to realize um and i real only looking back now as i go over my uh, lifetime in in school and learning art and music and theater that um i was constantly going against the things that I was being taught and fighting the teachers and getting into trouble and classes. And I think that that's what makes me who I am now. Um, you know, my, I developed into sort of, I, you know, like my friend Joe Rumby said, I'm sort of created my own genre, I think. Mm. And um, you guys are hearing some of the music that you'll hear on the podcast today. Um, I did with my band, which I developed about six years ago. Um, but now, uh, you know, I'm more of a... I, it's hard to classify what I'm doing. Even well, it's, it's like it's almost a sketch. That's a that's a music that's looping. That's in trying to piece together. Band. In trying to piece together that that history there. It sounds like if you have a point to make and you can say it in a somewhat oddball fashion mm-hmm. while still being yourself, while mm-hmm. still adding on the professional talent that opera singers are trained right. to the provide. Technique. Yeah, the technique then. Then you get you. Yeah, and I and do it's, sing. I, it's funny because I will go into opera voice while I'm singing because I really, I still think that's a. A cool way to sing, and I think it's like really it, it's, it's striking when it, it you know, especially because I'm usually singing in it's a, a kind of a hard rock, and then all of a sudden I'll be like, Ooh! 
you know, yeah. like, you know, people are like, where's that coming from? That's so we weird. We witnessed some of that today take, amidst some saxophone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it takes you out of the, it's sort of, you're, I feel like I'm sliding around. And that's the other reason I visit a lot of genres um, in my music, too, is because I never, you know, people are always like, well, I don't, you know, what kind of music do you like? Well, I like, I, you know, I go all over, I like all kinds of music. Um, don't put me in a box, like, man. Yeah, like different kinds of, you know, I, I, most people will go, but I don't like country. That's the one. Mm-hmm. But I had to put a country song on there because <laughs> I think country's so Americana. You know, it's obviously, you know, uh, feels sadly. Um, it's hard uh, to pretend it doesn't exist, yeah, even on really, the East Coast. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> and I, you know, of course it was tongue-in-cheek when I did it, but sure. um, but of course I, it was dedicated to that uh, while I was singing it. I was, I was fully committed to country. And um, I think that, you know, just all the experiences that I had, and then after, I, you know, I'm kind of going through my I'll revisit from college. I came to New York City and I, um, I, uh, I kind of wandered around a little bit and um, started my own art collective and uh, got into, of course, theater here. Art collective. Yeah, go, we go kind on that of a created bit. our own. It was really a place where we all like smoked pot and like, <laughs> okay. you know, like had artistic ideas. Um, but we were definitely writing a lot, and we started a band called Bad Teaching. Bad Teenage Mustache um, from that, uh, which was the first comedy band I was involved in. And, um, you know, we I was sort of starting to play with, um, you know, kind of not wanting to commit to any one sort of thing. Like, I, I think that's what I love the most about what I do is that, you know, there's stand-up comedians and then there are musicians and there are performance artists and there are, you know, um, I do a lot of visual stuff too. Um, but I, I really, really just, I want to be able to jump from one to the other without people really knowing what to expect. And I think that my time, especially after college and coming to New York, um, which opened my eyes to performance art and opened my eyes to, um, you know, musical comedy, which I didn't even know existed. Like I didn't know you could do comedy Mm -hmm. music. Um, I think that that's sort of like, is the great part about what I do is that I don't have to commit to any one thing. It can be them all. Although it does when people are booking me add a little uh, <laughs> element of surprise because they're like mm, I was about to we, say who are the, who's the Kelly Dwyer we're going to expect this time are yeah. you going to be and they're going to get a little bit of everything depending on unless they you know specifically well, it's, ask it's, me to it's do. tough to do that and it's nice that you accepted the challenge because most people are they do tend to be a little judgmental or they hear the first five seconds or something and it's mm-hmm. just like I expect that I'm going to get one thing it's like whoa yeah. I didn't expect that particular turn and it's it like we, we encounter this in the podcast a lot where we listen to music and sometimes even we're like prone to having that judgmental attitude sure. but then you have to like zoom out and realize that well in in its fusion sense that's really created just a whole new thing yeah so i think we have to have a you know even mind going in i think we're also in an era of music where you don't you can kind of get through without existing in a specific box like you mentioned when referring to your own music and kind of doing the looping and that kind of stuff like it's well known that uh reggie watts does a lot Mm -hmm. of that and reggie watts i i encountered the same way i saw his first music video that i saw of his on comedy central and it was uh fuck shit stack Uh, and like this is clearly a joke but it's also spoofing rap culture it's spoofing a bunch of other stuff but then i saw his live performances and it was nothing like that it was all the loop machines and creating these awesome songs that have no name but they kind of exist in this world and i think it's kind of awesome. A lot of improvisation, a lot of a free, just so like freedom that exists I think with this. And you know, I met Reggie in Edinburgh in oh, um, wow. uh, the first time I went to Edinburgh which was ten, maybe nine years ago, I think I want to say. Um, you know, like we're almost at 2016, so I'm bad with years, but um, <laughs> I don't want to age myself too much anyway. 
But uh, I we met. I was doing a straight play in um, Edinburgh, and it was uh, it was uh, you know, gosh, I hope. I don't think she'll be listening, but it was a really pretty terrible play. But they had flown me out there, and I was, you know, I had got good reviews for myself, and that was nice to have that experience to be flown out there and sure. have a free place okay. to stay. We're popular in England, but we haven't restocked exactly. Scotland yet, so we are good. Yeah, you're good. Exactly. So I was, um, my lu- the lucky part was that I was my show was at two in the or two or three in the afternoon, and then I had all all night to go play. So what I would do was I would go to the green. Uh, it was called the Green Room at the time. And the space was, um, the, I don't know if you guys know the Trachtenbergs, mm-hmm. um, and then Reggie Watts, mm-hmm. and uh, Jessica Delfino was there. And, you know, it was sort of like the offbeat, kind of kooky, outsider art uh, music scene of Edinburgh. And um, I, Reggie and I met, and we hit it off right away. And uh, we spent a lot of time uh, hanging out at that year um, at Edinburgh. And I was like, you know, I... I, I think that I had an idea that I of what I wanted to do, but I was afraid that like, you know, look at Reggie. I mean, you would have never thought that this guy was going to be where he is. Would have exploded in his way. He's just like he totally is his own thing, and oh, he yeah. committed to being his own thing. You know, and he was never going to be what you know. He always st- stayed away from places that were like, well, we need you to do shit, fuck, stack yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we don't, you know, he would always be like, no, I, just, I need to do my own thing. And, he, you know, he would, he would, he stuck to who, who he is. And I think that's the most important thing that I've learned as an artist is, and being in a city that's full of like, gosh, I mean, we're overloaded with amazing artists here that if you don't stick to being yourself, like, and you try to be everything else, like, it's just not going to work. That if you constantly, uh, you know, commit to being what you are and, uh, you know, push, pushing the boundaries of who you are and what you're doing, um, at least, like I can take solace in that because there is no solace in in the music industry, and there's none in Hollywood, and there's none in you know, even in little shows where you know only four people show up. But you're, if you're doing it for yourself and you care about what you're saying and you care about the music that you're doing, the rest is kind of icing on the cake. And so that's kind of where I am at this point. You know, I I'm just here to take risks and keep moving, you know, my stuff forward, and um, you know, being against the grain a bit, I guess. Well, I will play devil's, devil's advocate on one point, not not like against your life or anything. I mean, specifically <laughs> you, with the attitude you toward... You want fight you? <laughs> no, no, we can go. We can go. I'm ready for this. But concerning New York, like, mm-hmm. that, we have a lot of discussions, of course, because we're Brooklyn-based here. We, we like to talk up the culture surrounding New York, but there's been a, a recent, like, trend where apparently a lot of this stuff is moving west because it's becoming more difficult for artists with those new, fresh ideas that are trying to merge things together to make it in New York, mm-hmm. where it used to be, like, from the 70s up to the 90s and so forth this like just pool of anything goes and you can do it cheaply and people willing to take chances on on you Mm -hmm. and now because of this like culture of gentrification that we're experiencing it's becoming more compartmentalized and a little bit more like well we expect a certain caliber we we expect a certain uh a certain category uh pigeonholed hard high art if that makes sense and a lot of that might be moving like out to la which is the last place people expected now but this is based on one source. It was, a, it was a New York Times article actually promoting the arts in L.A. at the detriment of New York. Wow. And I thought it was very depressing. You <laughs> know, I have to agree, rude. though. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I can't disagree. I just did a uh, full West Coast tour, and I came back about a week and a half ago. So I'm having, like, you know, it's pretty severe re-entry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my yeah, gosh. Because like, when you come back to you know New York, you're like, crash and burn. Um, which is, like, really the only way to come back. Um, sure, you absolutely. Know, unless you're, like, a terrorist, of course. But, um... I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. Segue like, out of that one. It was. I know. Oh, just bleep that out. Um, <laughs> but it's. It was a. I did feel 
like a much more openness to what I was what I was doing out there, and much more people, which is crazy because I gave birth to this idea of what I'm doing now. Um, you know, here this this mangled, deranged baby that I'm having, uh, or babies, whatever. Um, I, you know, I felt very free. You know, I've been here for 20 years, so mm -hmm. that gives you any idea. Now, when I came here, I mean, it was it was still sort of that that old New Yorky feel. Sure. And even 10 years ago, when I started to transition into kind of what I'm doing now, it was pretty supportive atmosphere. Um, I was in this uh, really really great. Um, I was a part of the scene, I guess. I want to. I hate to call things you know like clicks or whatever, but oh, there were scenes. Yeah, it was a scene, <laughs> a and it was called Penny's Open Mic. And it was um, an Anything Goes open mic that uh, ran under under St. Mark's Theater. And I started, you know, I knew I came back from Edinburgh. I knew I kind of wanted to do, like, I wanted to go into this whatever unnamed thing that it, I was thinking of yeah. was, you know, this, this Anything Goes kind of idea. And I fell right into this uh, open mic and uh, Penny Pollock ran it. And, and it was full of people who were just taking huge risks and doing you know seven minutes of just anything anything at all and it was so inspiring and it was so open open and free and inviting and warm and st mark's theater i have to say um you know is my home theater here in new york city and they've been a huge part of uh me becoming who i am in music um i made uh, three the theatrical shows from my uh, the music that you've heard on s some of my CDs. I created you know uh, full theater pieces out of those, and um, they were so behind it. And and it really did feel like it was um, it was something special. Like I we knew we were in something special. We knew we were like you know that class that's all graduating from UCB that's now, you know, Tina Fey and <laughs> um, we felt like that same that same thing only it was like an underground sort of thing. So, um, you know, sadly that's that has sort of uh, now it's continued on as um, open mic uh, down, open mind downstairs, but it, it's no longer the, the what it was, and uh, I don't really attend anymore as much. But um, if I want to try something new, I still go. This feels like this is an interview, like of like those that SCTV crowd or something. Like years later, <laughs> it's like, man, if you were there in that scene, it you was, could feel was, the magic, man. Could. Something was happening. We were on the edge. We were. Yeah. I really feel. Well, at least I was. I mean, you know, and I feel like the people that were around me were, and like they're all doing, you know, something different now, and we're all sort of in these weird genres or weird you know, experimental sort of, uh, that's why we're not on, we're not TV made, but we're like yeah. all in sort of, we've all gone off and kind of pushed further what we were doing in the space. And, um, you know, I was so lucky to be on that. What I feel might be, and I hate to do that because like, I love to encourage kids to come here and live their dream and, uh, push their boundaries and, and experience uh, being an artist in New York City. But no, I'm, I, a, I'm a huge advocate for for New York. It, yeah. that was a painful read for me, it, it mind is you. A painful and it feeling. is is based on very recent recent history. And it, I think it may it very well pass. You know, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Will it? Will can it pass? I don't know. I mean, because now I think with the the opening uh, of our entire world to the internet. Uh, you know, people don't have to come to New York to be discovered or to, I don't know, it's like, you know, uh, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere kind of thing. Um, I think that was definitely, uh, you know, it was a sort of a coastal case, you know, go to coast and, you know, maybe you got a chance. But now with the, uh, you know, YouTube and uh, Vimeo and every every other yeah. site that we can think of, um, funnier die. More than likely, you're going to pop up on the West Coast if you're on the East Coast anyway, or mm -hmm. vice versa. So it's yeah, like, eh, can, I wouldn't take this stuff too seriously. In, you can sit in your attic in Iowa and make 
uh, great music videos yeah. and be in uh, you know the discovery for me of Patreon which I'm, I'm using right now or like Kickstarter or funding um, that kind of funding you know you don't have to necessarily go through the old ways of making art to, yeah. to do it so and the uh, crux of it didn't even come down to sponsorship it really came down to rent at the end of the day it's just yeah. like well where where are you going to be and how much are you going to be spending for your apartment yeah. while you do this this art form of yours yeah and you now know, it's pour like, out it's, your heart it's so hard to just be to, to scrape by here i mean it was always hard to scrape by in new york i mean yeah. but you could you could you could do it. I mean, yeah. it was, this was, it was the just... line that got me. I'm, I'm really just pushing this article for everybody to read it, or at least let them think about it. I think the line was something like, "Being here in New York, people have it not in their head that it's all about making it. It's all about making it." And then over there in LA, the vibe that people get is that it's all about making things. That I just, I don't stuck. know if I agree with that. No, I see. I can't say. And I was. I'm not over there. I don't know the LA vibe, so I can't. I can't compare. I'd still say people are very ambitious over here. I'd still say people are, are you know, yeah. eager you to. See, I, yeah, she crossed oh, her yeah, home. She was, see, I'm very, very she was irate. Now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. That I take offense to that actually, and I really, oh, I good. think LA is pretty. It's really LA can be very. Uh, they're not open to, uh, you know, I think super unique stuff because mm. they are, they have are and always have been and never apologized for it. They are about, you know, making, uh, making product. The cult of money. Yeah, really. the cult of money. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, Hollywood movies. There's very little um, going on in the way of, uh, you know, smaller independent movies that are really just. You know, like what have you seen in the last couple of years that have been truly independent? Yeah, it's monopoly. It's monopolized. Like, sort of There's nothing. By Steven Spielberg, kind of, in, you know, in the or background. they capture yeah. some sort of big name to get on it, right? It's good for the career of the big name to get on this indie indie film. Exactly, which is you know okay, and you know because maybe that indie film does need help, but uh, you know I really do think that it's def it's definitely a very a feeling. Even the last time I was there, I played. Um, I was lucky enough to book at the Comedy Central uh, stage, which is a, oh, awesome. it's, it's a theater stage, but it's uh, you know it's it's connected to Comedy Central, and uh, you know I felt like you know they were you know just getting in there though, just selling or booking myself there was like it was it was so hard to just get them to understand the idea of what I was doing, uh, and that I you know I mean I had to use so many videos and so much uh, explaining, and I was like I swear it'll be great, trust me, just trust me, you can't. <sighs> No one's gonna trust you anymore. They no. want like yeah. they want to know proof. that you're gonna come in and make Need you know to be this like extensive tight, resume of yeah. like yeah it's it gets a little middle ridiculous. Middle and end, you know we want joke joke joke. You know well, I I truly do believe that a lot of this has more to do with hearsay than anything else. Like in other words, uh, if you if you just speak about that Times article, or if you just preach that perspective, mm -hmm. it's like it's like the stock market. The more and more you say it, then all of a sudden people start to believe it, or or people start to not believe in your town, and then they'll flee, they'll flock in droves. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hesitant not really to promote that article in any way. I feel yeah. like in many ways they were trying to create a stir. Let's delete the they last were... 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was close. Well, I do, I do, you know, and, and, and saying all that, and I think you guys will probably feel the same way, I mean, it's nice to... Um, it's nice to know that, you know, in, in some ways, it's nice to know that art can come from anywhere and that yeah. a kid can grow up and doesn't have to, you know, f come here and just live like this. So it's like a harsh, really harsh lifestyle being in, in New York City, trying to make art and, you know, uh, and have a day job or five or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's it, it, in some ways uh, I feel really um, supportive of of that in the Internet, that it encourages 
like anyone to be an artist. But then in some ways, when I know that I've worked my ass off for 20 years being an artist, and then I know yeah. that that, 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 yeah. that is what I am, and that's what I've dedicated my life to, and I'm trying to get some kind of funding or We're something. We're letting in money. all the riffraff. Yeah. I'm like, they're like, but <laughs> You're not I'm, committed everybody's yet. an artist, and I yeah. want money to. So well, it, you got to remember, some there's some streets in New York you can walk down, and you'll be assaulted by art. Yeah. Like, that's just, it's it, in a lot of ways, it's a lot like YouTube. There's always yeah. somebody out there doing yeah. something. So you're you're basically explaining how the world has become New York City, Broadway Boulevard. It really like kind of has. That. Yeah, yeah. You can walk by. Uh, yeah, you can walk down on Ludlow, and there's you know the street performers and the. And you um, got your PewDiePies and naked cowboys as your fixtures, and oh, you got everybody else coming out of the woodwork. They got the, they got you know the 18 million hits, and um, and then I got like 3,000, and I feel good about that. But um, you know, but it is cool like to um, what the internet has done for me. Uh, you know, being like someone who's like. I like live performance is really where it's at for mm-hmm. me. But you know, uh, you know, I, I've traveling. I've I've met people that I've only known on on online, and uh, you know, I've gotten to go into smaller cities like Eugene and Oregon and Grants Pass, Oregon, and you know, when I was on my West Coast tour, where I just happened to know a few people from Facebook that lived there, and I got to actually meet them, and they were fans and supporters of me and it was cool to just sort of connect in that way um and let them see me live in a way that you know they've only seen me on the internet and we've only known each other uh, on twitter or you know facebook or whatever mm-hmm. um and it, it 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 is cool to connect in that way i don't know you know it's like everything technology is like that you know well, since since you mentioned ludlow and 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 performance uh <laughs> there's actually a cool venue down there called spectrum i don't know if you know it it's like a, a well or it used to be at least on ludlow it might have relocated or they have multiple locations now but that's a pretty cool case of entrepreneurship it's just this this dentist the doctor's office who decided to turn in this little extra office that is actually an office during the daytime and it's just a music venue at night and it's got a nice little cool uh, really yeah it's got like books on the wall See, and, I think and I know big recliners and that it was a wonderful little venue, and he he really reaches out to the to the artsiest people he can find in New York, or they can reach out to him. I think I know who he is. Though. It's like, like his name's ponytail. Like, yeah, I, he's graying hair. Yeah. yeah, he's like he does a lot of um, like free work for artists too, like free um, free dental work and stuff. I think yeah, is that the same guy. I think that's the guy. Yeah, um, and he was having trouble. He was losing his space. This was like mm. maybe two years ago, and he he the artist community came, all came together and like I th- I'm you know he got to keep his space so it was awesome yeah i think there's something there's like a spectrum chelsea or something like that now or there was one doubled up then yeah Yeah. Yeah, he sold out oh no (laughs) he's increasing the spectrum it's always dave matthews is playing there next week (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of always fascinated me though how the indie community's kind of gotten together i mean most of the guests that have been on this show or on the other show that i do the interview show uh crash chords autographs have all kind of been from the indie space via the internet like, I mean, I had never met you in real life. Yeah. We had communicated on the internet. I had heard your episode yeah. through the Epic Podcast. Like, it, it's just, there is still a tight artist community on the internet that I think is born out of the kind of communities that were in New York. Absolutely. Which I really like. And it, it allows, I mean, that's, I met Nelson Lugo doing a human blockhead act at a Harry Potter event. Like, that's how I first met him. And then the same day, at night, I met, met Schaefer the Dark Lord at a uh, nerdcore show that he did with MC Farnalot. I and it's love, just, I love, I love Schaefer so much. It's just, yeah. Oh, I mean, we had a blast when he was on the show, and it's one of those things that these Episode are one fifteen. Check it out. <laughs> these these are artists who really do care about the other artists in the space and want to promote each other's work, and I think that's really where the strength of the internet shines is yeah. through that and finding sort of like-minded um, and people who aren't in your scene but they're similar because like oh 
friends you, uh, with people you might know. Well, yeah. these are artists you might know because yeah. an artist recommends them or, you know, I connected with a lot of people that way when I was touring because I, you know, I'm, there was a show I wanted to book my, um, I wanted to book a show of like people that I wanted to see while I was in, you know, Portland, for instance. And then I met the double clicks and they, they nice. connected me to some other people. And then I asked, you know, like, it, so I put a whole show together to sort of um, get to finally see them too, you know, because yeah, I like sure. to see, you know, I'm supporting art. That's the other thing is that it is hard to be an artist in New York City and perform and support other artists because you're yeah. pretty, if you're if you're performing a lot and then you want to go see shows. Only so fun. many hours in the day. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so many days in the week. And, um, you know, I'm kind of happy that hopefully, well, I said I was taking time off, but here I am. Um, uh, I am going to take at least like a month or maybe two and just sort of, you know, want to write. But I also want to, like, I just want to go see some shows, you know, because right. I feel... Like, I'm missing that part of, you know, when I did, I had a lot more energy back then, I think. Or maybe just more wait, time. Wait. More energy back then. I know. Okay. I know. I know. I'm like a little bunny rabbit. <laughs> um, <laughs> like a dangerous bunny rabbit. Um, like one of those rabbits. Yeah. I'll eat your soul. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, like, I'll tickle you. I'm like a kinder, gentler killie. I'm like, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I used to be, I was just saying, like, I all the bars that I got... Um, kicked out of in New York City and banned from are actually gone now. So it's like I feel like I've got like a fresh start in New York City. Hey, it's like go. getting your right. blacklist so what just are we doing tonight, up. guys? <laughs> it's awesome. Um, yeah, but I, uh, you know, I'm well, glad that I got my spear sharpened in New York. But I feel like I want to go out. And kill the world with it so don't stress the time management thing too much after yeah. all at the end of the day every artist is kind of a little bit on their own they have to kind of like do their own little network and you can help out who you can and you also have to kind of come back to yourself at the end of the day because it's it is such a time you know time consuming thing and uh well that's my segue for getting back to you because you're here now they're not you know frankly i did want to i did want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your recorded stuff okay. so um we, of course, featured a song from Mock Bottom, yep. uh, Girl Balls, and we're going to feature a couple songs from Happy Endings. Um, your studio work is very, you know, is very well produced. It's got a great band backing it, but your live show tends to be more solo. Do you have plans to put out a record or write a record that's more based on your live stuff? Oh, I would. I wanted to do actually. I when I was on tour, I had like so many like you know big grand ideas. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna book the tour, and then I'm gonna go on the tour, and then I'm gonna videotape the tour, and then I'm also gonna do a live album while I'm on the tour, and I'm gonna be on Periscope. Like I had like I was really gonna try and do everything. And basically, what I did was like I I barely made it through the tour just doing you know the live shows. But um, as far as my solo work, I really like having a band in the studio, and I think that. Um, um, you know, I get to do it the way that I do it on stage um, every, you know, every couple days or whenever I'm performing in it. And it's great that way. But I think that, I think that people like to, like, when I want to listen to an album, I want to listen to something fuller and richer, deeper, darker, mm -hmm. funnier, bigger, better than, than because I'm not going to be there in the room with them. So yeah, that right. some, there's something that has to be there with them that, that I am not going to be able to give them. And that has, you know, sort of making a fuller sounding um, thing. Also, because I live in such an amazing city full of uh, killer musicians, like, you know, it would just kill me not to work with them. Now, having a band and having a weekly rehearsal and a performance and trying to keep them all in the same room at the same time because they all have their own projects and, and then those people have projects. And it's just like, it's really hard to have a band here. It, 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 
if uh, near impossible. So I think that that's where I get I get that sort of love of collaboration is mm -hmm. that when I get to go into the studio, I get to uh, um, you know work with other people and and also it's a space that is entirely for the duration of however many however much hours you've paid for it. They afford, are devoted yeah. <laughs> to your art. Yeah. Devoted to the creation of your product. Whereas, yeah. you know, you can't get too loud in your apartment and yeah. all these other little things. I think that's the reason why there's not so many like inner city bands anymore. Is the restrictions are too ridiculous. For that's the crazy. kind of stuff you want to do to be able to belt to practice, you need to be in that kind of just like there are no distractions, there is nothing else. There's no one who's gonna tell me no, this yeah. is my space, this is my time. Let's go. Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I do get to, um, I'm lucky I live in a loft building. It's called, it was a chocolate factory and I got to uh, pretty much rehearse with my band there, especially as I had a beatboxer. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have, you know, drums. Um, I've worked with most, mostly beatboxers, but um, getting back to just like, will I or am I? Or are you working on a new album even with the band? I'm working on, like, I've just sort of... I feel more connected to making singles. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I will ever make a full album again. And that feels, or maybe what I'll do is make singles and then connect them and right. make singles and connect I mean, it them. It seems to be the future of a lot of musicians. Yeah. Like Weird Al went on record saying he's done, like the, this last album yeah. was his last full album. Yeah. He might release compilations, but he's going to do one song at a time because it's more timely and it makes more sense. It does. It does. And plus, like, each song gets its um, special moment. And mm -hmm. I like, you know, I don't know. Um, um, I did. I did mock. Uh, I'm sorry. I did a happy ending. I'm sorry. Mock bottom is a. Um, I, I felt like it was sort of a, a connected piece. I mean, mm -hmm. it has connection for me. Um, people, uh, you know, you know, might not see it as much as I do, but I created it um, in a way that I felt like it had connection. And I don't. I like the way that I'm writing songs now because I had written all those in a very short uh, span of time and in a very. Uh, specific place in my life and a very and, and they sort of leapt out of me and it seemed like they went it's together. born out of like an, one movement Absolutely. to the next in, in um, some way yeah so for someone like Weird Al Weird Al structures his stuff a little bit differently like he's yeah. uh, one hit wonder is not the word but like the one the one hit at a time mm -hmm. and that is the flavor of that month or something yeah. like that and it's just one to the next yeah it was like important to have a concept album. like I think you know I think of it as a concept album people like will have argued back and forth over whether Mock uh, Bottom is a concept album, but to me, it was, it definitely was, and um, it, you know, and then Happy Ending, you know, f like it just those songs felt right together for me. I do feel that Anal for Christmas was tacked on, um, but it was a Christmas uh, release, so it felt felt fine to do that. I don't know, like rules for me are like, you know, I'm like I feel like there what aren't do I care like, there about? aren't a lot of rules. Like we often talk about when we're reviewing a band. Within reason, you know, there's there's clearly someone who's playing a guitar and doesn't know how to play a guitar and someone who does. Right. But beyond that, like, even if something's not our taste, you know, we can still admire where it goes right and that kind of stuff. I feel like the rules of music, yeah. you know, the rules, finger quotes, are getting broader and even disappearing because we have so much access to such cool tech and such great, you know, musical instruments right. and great you have to approach every album as if they're making their own rules as they go. Yeah. You know, it ha each album yeah. has its own inner logic. Hey, I'd love to have somebody pay me to go into the studio and <laughs> right. like, come up with an album from scratch. I don't know that I could do that, though. because, And mm. I, I don't know if I'd want that kind of pressure because I really enjoy the process of creating. And in fact, that, to me, is the most enjoyable part of making, a, making music, is sitting in my apartment. Um, you know, I have... It's just, it's, 
it is the quintessential, like, I have a loft that looks out onto, um, you know, New York City, and I, I can sit there and just like take my time and really enjoy creating and th that process for me like calms me because uh, obviously as we've talked about I'm a little bit of a uh, space um, spaced out like half the time and I'm freaking out and yelling or talking too much or jumping up and down and it, it really like you'd be surprised when you see me like making music I'm really focused and I can I can sit for hours and hours and I can and I love arranging my own music and I and I love the math of it all even though I don't I can't write it out and in fact my friend uh, Blair Frowner who was the saxophone player on uh, my albums he just did um, the sheet music for about seven of my songs and so now I have the sheet music and I give that to people and that's a cool thing to have you sure. know just like to see your music written out like because I don't I don't think of music like that so mm -hmm. it's another way to sort of um, but anyway, back to what you were saying. <laughs> it's yes, totally fine. I will always want to work with other people while I'm in the studio. I've recorded some things on my own, and I, I you know, I, I did. Uh, I have a song called Floss Boss, where I did all the all this. Um, you know, it was basically a uh, sample piece. Not sample, but you know, I put together a lot of different um, of my own garage band stuff and worked with that. And then I went into the studio and did vocals at Speaker Sonic Studios. You know, I did that by myself and I, um, you know, I got to do Bitchy Resting Face, which is the new song that I'm putting out um, on uh, Saturday. So it'll be um, this Saturday on Cyber Saturday. Um, it is, uh, I worked with Skylar Deal, who was uh, Billy Joel's bass player for 20 years. So wow. yeah, cool. and he did all the music for it. And he did like, it, it, where I normally have this like really like weird Casio SK-1 uh, xylophone version that I do on stage and he made it into this R&B rap classic with like great harmonies that my friend oh, Pamela awesome. put on it was really cool totally reinvented and re-envisioned the song which I that's another thing I love about my music is that I feel like it can I can change it it's anytime adaptable. I want yeah, yeah I don't have I'm not married to one way of playing it and it's just fun to like well, Girl Balls, uh, the song we first featured, is a mix. This is the mix version in your face. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Girl Balls, <laughs> you said it's part of your concept album. I'm using the segue. Don't stop me. Fine. <laughs> Just going line by line, and I do love the lines of the song itself because of the irony and the satire that you put into it, but I'm really curious about the concept of the album that had this in it. You said Mock Bottom was like your first major piece, yeah. your first major album. Mm -hmm. It's a concept album. Mm -hmm. What did you, where, why, how did you do a concept album? Yeah, um, well, I think the concept album for me, because we used to joke about, well, I used to joke about having a concept album about concept albums. <laughs> and I, yeah, thought, yeah. I thought that was like a great, and then we started talking about like how, what makes a great concept album, and it just, you know, it, it's like marrying ideas that mesh well together that that lead into each other and to me this was sort of like my musical like my of that time in my life it was my it was killy the musical you know it was hysterically it was what i would call it you know like i it, yes it, it's a loose concept but for for me like it was so everything was so tight together and written so quickly and really kind of um it jumps around on topics and stuff, but it does kind of come back to this sort of idea that each song is its own genre, first of all, which I was really, really excited about um, that idea. And the idea that it was uh, a very specific, uh, I knew I knew that that time in my life 
um, was in was that album. You know, I can look back and you know how you listen to a favorite album and um, or you, the music or music and you're immediately back there. And I knew that was always going to be that album for me. Mm. And so. Um, that's why I say it's a loose concept album for, because really only to me it's a concept <laughs> album. You know, well, the like, notion of a concept. I think people well. people are always grappling with like the very fine lines that separate what is and isn't a concept album because I feel like most most albums nowadays do have their own concept yeah. just to even be be delivered. They're not they're not compilations yeah. like they used to be like back in the fifties or sixties or whatnot. Not just yeah. like you know, mediums through which to get at all these individual songs. Most people go into it with at least one concept, but then it's just how tight is it going to be? How in, how how intricately are they going to work together for it to actually fall under the name of concept album? And it, it, for instance, one thing you mentioned about how all the songs are in like different genres, mm-hmm. to a lot of people that would say like, oh, well, then it's clearly not a concept album. Right. But then if you look at the theme and you look at some of the connection, you try to get into the artist's mind, then all of a sudden you find it. See, I think that's what makes it a concept album is yeah. like that it's all different genres. Like, I, I, but that's your rules. I know. Not are, someone else's, but that's absolutely, beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I In my rules, I don't have any. So then we're all, you know, then we're screwed, basically. <laughs> and, and you said it was a representation of your life back then there must have been awful lot of frustration mm-hmm. just going off the text of girl balls because i love that <laughs> I, I really do enjoy this and the other song you're not over laughing at your own title uh, even, even now yeah okay no i gotta just laugh checking. at it i gotta laugh at the idea of too that i that how frustrated uh, it, that i was just going back to your work the other songs we're going to be featuring like hypochondriac mm-hmm. i i i love your turn of phrase are, are you really drawing from any specific parts for the ins- the inspiration behind these words? Because there's comedy, but there's also a seriousness to it. Um, just the inner monologue of girl balls or like the, the idea of being a hypochondriac mm-hmm. uh, uh, for that song. It, it's, it's not just happy-go-lucky comedy. You're not doing happy-go-lucky comedy. You're doing death to smoochy comedy. You're yes. doing that dark comedy, <laughs> right. that, that, that joke that's kind of tinged. Yeah. Uh, where are the areas you're drawing this from? Ah, uh, well, you know, I mean, hypochondric, let's, let's just take it that from there. Um, I, uh, I suffer I s- quite, pretty, really, I would say extremely badly from um, hypochondria. Um, I, in fact, like when I, even when I was going to, going, go on tour, I was, I, I was constantly feeling like I was going to get sick and like, so I don't, like I bring my own microphone around. Although I've not, I've never taken it to the point where like I don't touch other people. It's not an OCD thing. It's just like. So it's I, not like a germophobia. It's hypochondria. Now I feel like, I feel like I'm getting sick constantly or I think I've got cancer and I think mm. I'm dying. But here's the thing that, you know, what the whole point of the song is and what I try to like constantly go over in my head is that the thing is, is that we are dying, you know? Like right now, yeah, we're currently, eventually, you know, like we literally are sitting here dying. You know, I mean, it's a slow death, or it's a quick one. We don't, you know, you don't know if you're gonna walk. I got almost got hit by a car on my way here. Oh my god! Uh, Yeah, I really like, really, you know, almost was like bye, Um, (laughs) and it would have been like R.I.P. Kelly. But glad glad you could be here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really glad I could be here too. And but the thing of it is, is that 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 was more of it. Is like who isn't hypochondriac? I mean, we're sitting here. How can we just be sitting here like? Like going through our lives, not thinking about the fact that like we're just dying, and you know, and you're gonna die, and you're gonna die, and you're gonna die. I'm like the Oprah of death. I'm gonna kill all the. Death you get a death, and you get a death. And you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted to tie it in with the fact that you can worry about it, like you can worry about it or, or not. It's gonna happen. So the better choice. That's how it, that song ends. Is like, 
I die from old age, you know, because yeah. that's really probably yeah. the case. And we're that's all going to live a pretty... the best case scenario. Yeah, that's yeah. the best. That's the best that you can do. So, um, you know, this, this, so this, it's almost like a therapy. It was therapy for myself to write that song because I was, you know, I every word in it is like, it feels like it's like just Bible truth, you know. Um, about I like my... I like the jab at Doctor Oz that because yeah. I'm not a big fan of his. Yeah, I mean, you know, he deserves a little, and people love that line because they. I think there is a yeah. lot of like under, I didn't know this, but like underground hatred for Doctor Oz. So like, um, I can totally get into well, that. Also, because everyone air, everyone has yeah. their own opinion on things, and once you start walking down the hypochondriac road, then there's so much out there just to mess with your head even further. Yeah. And it's that's what's just so you know so annoying about it is like well it, it's it's one area where we're not permitted almost to indulge in that particular you know strain of OCD or whatever because then society's just going to make it worse and worse and worse with well, the whole WebMD phase. Oh, that's exactly, exactly what I want. Yeah, I love I love that line as well because that was specifically for driving people thoroughly insane. Yes, it, th- there's no other reason for that website. No. Doctors. Or don't use it nearly a fraction of you what go people. From, you go from uh, re- uh, oh, I've got a everything will uh, lead you back a, to a little cancer. rash. Yeah, everything goes poison goes ivy back to, to yeah. yeah, absolutely. And everything you know, I mean, it's not. I mean, not even to, to to shake a stick. But when I when I'm when I'm do it live, I mean, I really do go into the like. I really take a moment to like make sure that we're all on the same page that we're all gonna die just like I did right here. Yeah. And I bring it way down. Like, I bring everybody to the fact that, like, I make sure everyone in the room is severely aware of their mortality. I'm like, um, and then I'm, and then I just, like, go back to singing. And I'm like, ah, you know, because I like to to be the dark, I like to go to the dark place, you know? Well, uh, okay. It's a light place. Everyone goes to the dark place at some point. Here, I got a little quick story for you. At some point in college, Mm -hmm. there was like, all right, I'm all in my room. I'm doing my, uh, you know, I'm doing my thing there. And, uh, you know. At some point, you know, you get that, that pain in the back of your head, in the middle of it. And it was like, it's like right above the nerve in the, in the back of your neck. And it was like this, this overwhelming pain where it's just all of a sudden, whoa, I can't continue. Yeah, yeah. Can't continue. Can't finish, you know? And uh, this happened like two or three times over the next like three days. And finally, I'm like, uh, I'm talking to my sweet mates. I'm like, oh, oh, oh boy, I think this is a problem. Now I'm looking up on WebMD and I'm like, oh, oh, sexual headaches. This is what it is. This is what it is. Look, sexual you can headaches. see all of it there. This is the thing. This is exactly what I experienced, right? And it became just like running gag being like, you having those sexual headaches? Again? <laughs> well, you yeah. know, I still think it was probably what it was, but you could just indulge. And then it went away after like two months. It was ridiculous. You know what? Pretty much masturbation will cure everything. That's my... That's the thing. Speaking of... I was terrified though. God uh, wants you to come. <laughs> oh yes. The final track we're going to be featuring. If you if you like you to bring, my segue. If you bring everybody to a dark <laughs> place for hypochondriac, yeah. I'm just curious as what you do for God wants you to come in a live setting. Um, like like how do you how do you get the crowd ready for that track? Um, well, I basically, I you know never I never give away anything. Um, you know of course you know I never because the punch. Like talking before the song, like okay, I do it differently every time. I have to say, mm-hmm. sex, sex should be different every time, you know. I agree. And and, I, and everyone is different. Everybody's body is different. So I try to use that song. Um, I try to read an audience either before because I sometimes open with it, I sometimes close with it, depending. Um, uh, but it's it's never the climax, you know. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but I do try to read the audience, and I kind of try to gauge what they, how far I can go with it. Because I've gone really, I mean, I, like, literally have, you know, in the middle of it, I, I, I try to bring myself to orgasm, which is, so I actually do that 
on stage. What do you, how, do you, how do you measure that? Do you just scan the audience? Like, where are those shoulder pads in I here? Know, like, Maybe I shouldn't you know, go that next During step. the show, like, are they, are they, do they feel open? Almost like sometimes it's like more do they feel closed? Like, is this, are they closed off? Like, dude, because I, I don't, you know, I'd rather push their buttons. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> then, uh, but some, but, but usually Lock what I'll door. do is um, I express that I want to take that song. I want to, I wanted to make my music more educational and I wanted to, you know, take it on the road and create a tutorial about an often misunderstood thing called mm-hmm. the clitoris, and and then usually only one one or two people laughs because they're like, and I'm like, see, only two people here know what the clitoris is. Let me tell you, and then I start the song, <laughs> and then like halfway through, either I will go into girl balls, like I have a mashup that I do between girl balls and God wants you to come. That is pretty, it's pretty awesome, like because they kind of lend t- into each other, but then or I will choose to um, pretend pretend i actually have tried to bring myself to orgasm on stage <laughs> depends on where i am like if it's an experimental yeah, it's um, gotta be like a, like a zen thing though yeah it's awesome the and i always like because people start talking during it you know always because they're like what the you know it's yeah, yeah. Sure, of course. what is this this is the weird like is she doing this i don't even know and i can hear them and i usually like hit my machine and turn everything off at the same time and then they're still talking and i'm like you're talking <laughs> you can't talk when i'm trying to have an orgasm you know like i break yeah, them yeah, yeah. like you know woman because it takes concentration for a woman to you know and then i continue with the tutorial like i then I, I just and then i wait till they're all really quiet and then i turn it back on and you know, finish <laughs> but um literally yeah that sounds that always, would be an awful time for sexual headaches short, you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never sure. last long enough that's oh, like, uh, but you know, I mean, it, 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 that, it, luckily when I'm doing it on my, when I'm doing my songs on my own, I mean, they're playful enough and that I, I've worked on them enough that, because uh, looping for for me, like, because I'm playing a lot of instruments, I play the Casio SK-1 and I play the guitar and I have a xylophone and I have a, um, a, t- a toy accordion that I play and, you know, shaker and I, there's a lot going on. So, you know, but look at not look but you know read my personality like that's exactly what I needed was like so many things happening at one time and then I'm still trying to focus on the audience you know that's that's uh an interesting when you mentioned that before I was thinking it's like you mentioned that you have sort of a okay you can be a little scatterbrained you know you're all over the place but then but then when the music starts then the creative process everything needs to be so incredibly focused and Mm. that's been almost proven now to be like one of the the uh, reactions that that music can actually cause is yeah. a, the, for patients, for instance, with either like extreme ADD, like yeah. crippling ADD, or or uh, uh, I'm trying to think of one of even like severe autism, where it's just like, impossible to focus on one thing at a time. Then all of a sudden they bring them in for like some musical therapy or something like that, yeah. and then all of a sudden, boom, they become a virtuoso drummer or something like that. And everything is is it's not just scatterbrained drum playing. Right. It's very even. It's very coordinated, and right. it's, it's very creative. So, you know, I, I, I it comes there's a flip side to every focus. coin. There's always the savant side to everything, you know, which I find <laughs> fascinating about the human brain. I think that's a compliment. Um, but, it, you know, what's funny is that if it does go terribly wrong, which with technology, I mean, it you can. know, when I'm live, I mean, I've had like my entire system, just everything go down and like everything's gone and I can't, I find those moments to be some of the greatest moments I've ever had on stage. I mean, mm. they are, it is extremely humbling to have your music just dissolve in front of everyone like when like it's going well and to have it just completely i knocked over my entire rig before and uh and i had to get through it and like uh, people constantly i don't want to brag but i am 
the best at failing. Like I, <laughs> I turn that failure into like a whole new shell. Like I, I, I don't. There's something about that that mistakes or using mistakes because when you loop, all the mistakes are gonna stay because you can't weed out a mistake. Mm -hmm. And so I love those little moments where it's a little off or it's not quite right, and because that's how I think you know life is. Is you can't weed out those little things. You have to work with them and keep them in and actually make them part of it. And uh, I found like some of the best music I've ever done was like sheerly <laughs> through making like a mistake that just got into the repetition of what I was doing. And it's, you know, art imitating life, you guys. Like, so <laughs> deep. We know nothing so about that. <laughs> um, before we uh, get to another featured song and then into our album review after, um, I wanted to ask if there's anything you're looking to really promote. I know you've been working on a lot of stuff. You've been on a tour. You're interested in putting more stuff on the internet. <laughs> so I hear, um, is there any big projects that you really want to promote on the show? Your Patreon, maybe? Yes. Yeah, I do want to promote my uh, Patreon. as um, It's under Killy Dwyer, and I will provide you guys with that um, information as well. And, you know, I, a lot of people don't know what Patreon is. So, like, I'll just quickly say it's, it's like a Kickstarter, but it's more like per project. So you get to, uh, you know, actually become a patron of an artist that you care about. And there is a lot of great stuff going on on there in general. Uh, so. I, even if you don't end up backing me, I would recommend looking on there because those are people that are, you know, just, just need a little bit to get by or to make a project. And, uh, you know, uh, the other thing I want to promote um, will be that today uh, you can uh, find my new single called Bitchy Resting Face, uh, which I did with Skyler Deal, we talked about, and Pamela Lewis, and that'll be out everywhere you can buy music um and my patrons get that for free so um if you become a patron on patreon you get it for free and if not you can buy it <laughs> there you go so go buy it but i'll probably end up putting it on my website for free because that's what i do i like to give my stuff away and like let the people spread it around because that's the best way um it's a 2000s attitude it really that's is so beautiful <laughs> but i've only really come into that feeling like in the last like year and a half like because i was like it was devastating to, to yeah. not be making money at what I was love what I love and um, you know my biggest patron is my is my husband and I'm super lucky to have him <laughs> because uh, you know he's like do what you know do whatever you want and I'm gonna support you and um, I know shout out to your husband What's your shout out to name? Craig Schober all right that's what right, clone is about hey. clone you is a four song on the on mock bottom so check it out awesome well I appreciate you taking the time giving us some background yeah. we'll jump into your album choice after our little musical break so we will take a break. Right, I feel like I can 
was Hypochondriac off the Happy Endings album EP. Um, there was uh, five tracks on that EP, if I recall correctly. That is correct. All right, memory. It's not gone yet. Um, <laughs> so um, I happen to like that song a lot because the, the singing style, you have a tone in the way you're singing that reminds me of something that I can't place my finger on, but it's got that kind of, the kind of tone you put on it is just really engaging and theatrical and very much like you get into this character of this hypochondriac. Yeah, I feel, I was feeling it. Oh, I'm sure. It. <laughs> I know that I had had one, one, uh, maybe we were splitting a bottle of whiskey that day, I'm pretty sure, so I was like, <laughs> I think there it. was a point in that day where uh, Brian Speaker was like, um, Kelly, um, I think we shouldn't probably stop because you're not uh that's always a good sign you're slurring and i'm like oh god that's terrible but it was so much fun to record you know we just it was a much more laid-back experience than mock bottom for me so gotcha um so why don't you tell us a little bit about the album you brought us today well uh i brought you the dream stocks album um this is uh karen they're actually friends of mine um uh from the comedy music scene in new york city which i think is um you guys have actually given some fair a fair amount of uh, nod to we the have. comedy music scene, which is really nice because that's not usually the way uh, it goes. Um, so I wanted to bring something that um, is new uh, to me, uh, and it's their album, and it's sort of like I, I, we just called it. I called it a dessert album, maybe, <laughs> um, because it is only six tracks, so it's an EP. But um, they are a uh, character comedy band, which in that they take on. Um, a sort of children's entertainment uh, sort of vibe. It's not even a vibe. It is it's kind That's of a persona. They, they persona. connect to that yeah. persona. Pretty, pretty. Uh, they're pretty direct on that. And uh, you know, they treat the audience. These are not children's songs, but they're children's songs for adults. Um, and so, so, so that's the um, you know that's the basic idea of the album, and they they are they get a little dark. Uh, you wouldn't want to give it to your ten year old, but we were saying maybe you could give it to your. One or two tracks. One yeah. or two tracks One or might, two, be, yeah, might be it's, ten. But it really is meant for adults, and it's meant to be playful, and um, and uh, it sort of sort of makes you think of your own childhood and some disasters that may bit. or may not have happened. It fits on the same podcast of discussions of masturbation and stage orgasm. <laughs> That's <laughs> very true. We uh, like to keep it consistent exactly. here. <laughs> so that album, of course, is called Songs for Your Future. Yep. And so let's jump right into the first track, which is When I Grow Up, which at the start, is this acoustic kids rock song like you know you see the commercials on on TV for like kids music and it, it fits that vibe almost the, immediately. Very cutesy, yeah. Yeah, the series yeah. of kids kid rock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a whole thing yeah. back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And so within the everything's first, a thing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a, a thing. Just it's a, a concept album. No, no. Exactly. <laughs> it's a strummy acoustic guitar, and then the lyrics, at, at least initially, are very much you know Straight when forward. you grow up, what you can do when you grow up, and it's it's, it's very full tongue- of hope. Yeah, it is oh, full of hope. Yeah. Until the chorus comes, and that's when I really like the way they depart from 
that sort of kitschy children's idea. As long as you're rich, nothing bad can happen to you. I love that line. Yeah. It's like just taking a one-two punch to the rich of, of anywhere. A one-two punch line, even. A one-two punch yeah. line, even they good? Really, they, get you, they draw you in. They get you, they get you where you're going in that first pair, uh, you know, stanza. And then they, then, they, then they really hit it home, I think, with the line. It's really just, I mean, it, you could argue this is cynical in some sense. I would say oh, it's yeah, just totally. very truthful, though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say cynical. I'd yeah. say this is very truthful Realistic. from the get-go. Because it's not to take away from all of that, that childhood, you know, um, ingrandizing. Like, oh, no, you can do anything. You really, really can do anything. Yeah. No one's trying to stop you. Yeah. Except but what? Except you could be poor, and then your life is going to suck as a result. So because try to be rich. Yeah. Really do. The anything you can do is a waiter, a catering waiter, a, 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 yeah. a singing a waiter, a cocktail of, waiter, barista, a list bartender, of bicycle messenger. Yeah. yeah. And it's, the working it's, man's job. It's yeah. kind of, they're, they're showing the childhood hope just being crushed inch by inch as they're going through this. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of appropriate when you're trying to do children's songs for adults. Yeah. Because we're all jaded at that point. The comedy <laughs> comedy is tragedy plus time. That's my favorite way of putting it. And, and that's exactly what they're going for here. They build it up a little bit. Like, they, you know, the first you're like, a waiter. And then you're like, a cater waiter. Like, it kind of yeah, gets yeah, like, it gets... it's like it, it goes along. Then it's, uh, what is, uh, it's. The last thing they yell is Footlocker. Footlocker, that's right. Oh, Footlocker. Um, like, they don't even say a job. They just yell Footlocker. Yeah, it's, you know, it gets. It's... You might die a little more each day. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's the sort of thing that is the the adult joke. Yeah. And the instrumentation here is, like I said, an acoustic guitar. I mean, it's yeah. it's nothing more it's, than that in this track. Yeah. It's very strummy, very, you know, it. it I think they go really whole hog in the, you know, simple kids music. Even though kids music doesn't have to be simple, they're kind of mocking that kid, simple I, kids music that, like, has no no depth or growth or, like, it's just a, th- oh, a one-line song, like, you know, a, a, a one, one-trick one pony. And even in the in the, the lyrical, like, the, the way he writes, it's not, or the way he and she writes, they don't really make any attempt to really apply the rhyming scheme no. very much. It's very, like, they will if they want to, but they don't often, so it's very normally, it just has to fit the cadence, and that's, yeah. that's really all they require. This is all about pushing the words to the front and getting the joke out of those words, out of the, the lyrics. That's what yeah. this song is focused on. The joke might even be in the flat delivery I, of yeah. non-rhyme. Totally Absolutely, yeah. and they say, it's say very true to the the staged version of the you know the live version of this. So, uh, um, they a little dead inside kind of a thing going on. Well, it's like you know, but the dead behind they got the, eyes? the smiles on yeah. their faces, but they're like, like yeah, doll's the eyes, eyes are sort of yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's a put on. It's definitely put on, but but you know, committed to the. You know, they don't overdo it either. So it's it's definitely a nice uh, balance. Like because. You know, you think they could really be children's entertainers or dressed in... Well, that's part of the persona they put on, at least in the video, for that, I believe, was for this song, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're doing career day. Right. And they get invited in by the very bitter teacher who's just <laughs> like, no, there will be no cursing, no doing that, no doing yeah. that, right? No, and finally no leads nuts, us in... No, no nuts, no, no, no soy, no, no anything. <laughs> All of the, the no butt, no immense butt. <laughs> amount of restrictions that we apply now. And then they get on stage, and I love the cutaways to the kids' faces, where as, of course, they're saying, like, well, unfortunately, we're all growing up and our dreams have come and gone and they always pan back to the kids and the kids are just just smiling every step of the way they're loving this like it kind of just glosses over them and I love also the editing process there where the the kids are clearly not in the room 
You know that you know that just from that pan there. You right. know it was just taken like from a separate studio and a separate kid entirely, just to show them like probably some clown put a little red nose on, like <laughs> just to get that reaction to put in their video. They're just clapping uh, and nodding and just, smiling and sleeping. No, um, cheeky and cynical and, <laughs> and everything. Yeah, it's everything that you kind of you kind of. I kind of feel about growing yeah. up. I mean, I don't want to grow yeah. up. Do you, do you guys want to grow up? No. I'm not really. Wait, we're grown ups? I didn't. Yeah, no, I checked. Okay. <laughs> it's official? Yeah. I haven't had to officially grow up yet, so. Well, that's I'm good. Feeling pretty good. Like me, you managed to get married and not grow up. Yeah, Isn't that awesome? It's like it's, you're sliding. It's a very right? thin, fine line that right. we're, we're walking. Get the right, under the radar, yeah. right under the radar. Um, but yeah, I think that this song also, as an intro track, serves this purpose of, well, these they have this persona of kids musicians, and so here's a song that's... what a introduction. Kid, yeah, it, it feels like introductory to the people, too. Like, I felt like we got to know Nothing the Nothing says intro like cynicism, man. Right, exactly. <laughs> it invites me in. Um, I thought that was your favorite type of comedy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it never, <laughs> it never goes no to a place where it's like... You, you know like it doesn't go super dark it doesn't it, go super dark and it doesn't go super dirty and it doesn't yeah. go you know like where you know where it could you know that could have yeah. been a lot one way to go I, yeah. I kind of like that it, it it stays um a little bit um like it could really be for kids but well, the second track what's going on down there right it's the perfect example of what's going on uh, a a terrible terrible video that you watch during PE class mm-hmm. to figure mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. what the birds and bees actually are. Circa any time they've been starting to do that. And I know some places in the world they still don't do that. But... In this country. Yeah, yeah in this too. country. Abstinence they, only, kids. <laughs> there's nothing in this track says raunchy. Yeah. yeah. Except for the actual phrasing of the words. Yeah. Girls get breasts. That's a line that occurs a couple times. Mm-hmm. And that is not something that is inherently dirty, except when you put those three words in that order, it can get dirty mm-hmm. because when you start talking about 10 and 14 year old kids, yeah, it's dirty. Yeah. And every guy who has heard this song probably has been a 10 year old kid in his mind at the very moment and kind of chuckled a little. Because it, this is another example of really hitting the joke for the adult in a kid's song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's essentially a glorified puberty song. Like, yeah. That's what it but is. But I, I think it's more of a joke on the way we tend to treat and have oh, these conversations. Because, because of the, their phrasing and oh. what's the, the words, what's or going on down there. Yeah. See, I had yeah. I had this experience even just from searching this because uh, just to, to let you know, or we looked up the I mean we tried to look up these lyrics, but couldn't find them. They're not exactly posted online, so I, I transcribed most of these lyrics. But in my attempt, yes, thank you. In my attempt, <laughs> in my attempt to to uh, to search for them the first time, I tried what's going on down there and Googled that, and of course, what do I get? It's just a bunch of puberty pages right. and the kind of thing that maybe a ten to fourteen year old might actually search. But I don't. Not that I don't think they would use those those words in their search but I think that's the the terminology that the higher-ups who are deciding these things decide to use. Right. What's going on to there? These are questions you may be wondering. Yeah. It always has or to be that like goofy persona. Or 90s aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like where, we're, where we were, you know, I don't know. I think things are a little more hipper now. Maybe the <laughs> lingo, they've gotten it down. I don't know. Like, yeah. well, it's, but it's, even in the attempt to sound hip, it's always that awkwardness. Like yeah. that sex ed class that you had like once randomly that no one told you you were going to get and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, wait, this is not processing why this is happening today. <laughs> you know, it's just, it was an oddball you place. In your in your middle yeah. elementary to middle school life, you know, and this is just the way they talk about it. But and, and I don't think you can. I don't know. Well, it's very odd. There's some of those little like deviations they do with lines like, 
Girls, you notice that suddenly your chest is getting bigger. Sometimes it's not as big as you like, but hey, some guys like that. And I like the kind of excuse at the end well, and the sort of like... She's kind of like, flat chested. So. Well, it's, it's that... It's a little <laughs> bit of that... That, that, that was Adult cynicism <laughs> showing through again. Sure, yeah. Um, I, I like that. Mm. I, I wanted them to actually go a little bit further in this yeah. song with yeah. that, though. But that, that's, that's, that's I like the way it devolves, though, like at the end where they're like sort of, you know, yelling at each other. They're picking on each, each other, other for, down, their, yeah. for their little, for differences or they're not quite right. Well, that's their or, way of infusing, I think, what they wanted to see a little, well, maybe not necessarily wanted to see a little more of in the actual sex education process, but they, they don't just give you the beginning. They'll give you the whole story of it yeah. right away. So by getting to the point which, well, no, 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 we're not just going to tell you what's going to happen to your breasts. No, we're going to tell you the insecurities that come with them. We're going <laughs> to really lay it on right. thick here. All the stuff that you would really experience in like the length How of a teenage, yeah. you know. How bad you're going to feel about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that, whereas in the first track, it was kind of a straight delivery of these kind of children's entertainers. This one had a little more of a theatrical de- delivery, especially with the breakdown in communication towards the end and yeah. the dramatic pause and the vocal inflection here. Both vocalists are doing even more with their vocals. They're kind of, you know, different ranges and different yeah, things. I, I feel like there's someone in, like, a really goofy mascot suit yeah. talking to me. Your st- body starts to go through lots of changes. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, the, the, the voice he's putting on, everything is so over the top. It is it's it is that cheesy, like, 80s video or something. Yeah, and you're learning about your body. They, they fit the persona well. I mean, granted, the, 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 the delivery in the first track was maybe just a little bit flatter, but for most of these tracks on the EP, they tend to... To get a lot more theatrical with it, like the kind of stuff that was used in, in Avenue Q, for instance. Um, the way they blended, you know, the the joke on what would be marketed to children, which with what is really being marketed to adults. Yeah. So they bring in all those affectations. It's an it's they sort of I don't it wouldn't I wouldn't say they're breaking character because they're still in character at the end, but it's that little breakdown. I think that's the breakdown that kind of makes that the song, you know special sort of yeah. sort of so you know it paints this feels more like a sketch this song they like know it, each other it, yeah. you know they, they know you know they've been working together like they know they how know to how to get on, get each, on other. each other's yeah. nerves you know they know how to like really make them makes each other feel bad about themselves you know yeah, yeah. so it, like that, you know that's that, a little more of a you know an introduction into who they are I sure guess, you know. well i think anyone who has a best friend or two knows once you've known them long enough, you know exactly how to get at them. Yeah. Like you know exactly the buttons to push. As John <laughs> glares at me, um, so I think that also adds a personal touch to it, which I really like. I mean, that's what they're doing here more so than anything else. Is they're pulling you in with these kind of personal touches to the joke that they're delivering. Right, and I, I think the you know, I'd like to see. I, I know it's not right on topic, but I'd like to see this as a even you know the first two songs i like to see it as a theater show and i'd sure. like to see it as a full fully you know uh formed sort of um beginning middle and end kind of theatrical show because it does lend itself so f- oh i don't want to give away the ending but you know <laughs> <laughs> it, it does sort of lend itself to that so um yeah it does kind of move through the motions of what, I, I don't know if it's necessarily kind of growing up, but there is kind of a chronological progression here, I feel. Well, it's, it all comes to a head in some sense because yeah. of the, the dramatic pause they include right before that final <laughs> chorus. Like, it's really a lengthy chorus. It, yeah. I mean, excuse me, a lengthy pause. It's, it's, an, it's a strange pause, which you don't find too much because use of silence in music is always a little bit hairy because then people are always waiting there with bated breath like, well, um, 
wait, is something wrong with my yeah, computer? Are they pushed to, uh, push to the next? Yeah, yeah. Am I buffering? Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> but it's a result of that of that that stanza where everything is is so intense. Well, Zach, I don't think puberty is finished until both testicles have descended. Oh, I suppose you're right. Hey, when do your breasts come in? Oh, I can't wait to see what your face looks like when all your baby fat is gone. And it's just this tete to tay back and forth, back and forth until it's it's not puberty anymore. This is bitter adulthood that yeah. you will experience for the rest of your life, frankly, um, if you if you can if you, you don't get over it. But then finally. <laughs> Finally, there's that pause, which maybe is the implication that, well, all right, well, let's no. reel this back. Yeah, yes. I think it's both. It's like, let's reel it back and let's, and also like... We're getting off topic here. I need here. to pull it back together because we're in front of some yeah, kids right, right kids, now. Right, 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 it's a kid show. You know, which might be more evident because I've seen them live, but you know, right. it's cool that you kind of get your own like little moment to like put, what do you think, you know? Mm-hmm. What ha- what's happening? Yeah, what's, what's, what's going, going on, on down there? Or were they just <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> what is going on down there? <laughs> Maybe we don't know after all. Maybe we never <laughs> actually learned. Yeah, we may not ever know. No, you know. Um, I assume you know, listener. Um, <laughs> Speaking of knowing, we don't know. Not, track not three, the sound <laughs> song. So this one is the uh, the first song where we get really kind of a percussion line. It's being played on the body of the guitar. But it's definitely a little different from what we've been getting so far in the previous songs. The previous songs are mostly acoustic, not really a lot of yeah. anything else. This is pretty cool. It was a cool way of like setting the atmosphere. I mm-hmm. mean, it's all very thin, and we should say this. Uh, uh, I mean, we didn't really say this from from track one on, but of course, yeah, the the music. There's not too many layers here. It's very, yeah. very just thin. And it is what it needs to be. You just got the guitar, and that's it. But this, amidst this framework, really did kind of stand out because it sets this atmosphere of ooh. Something spooky. Right. Something's going on. And of course the subject here is the matter. Well, they're they're hearing their parents, you know, go at it. Wrestle. And uh yeah, wrestle. <laughs> Who's the... winning? <laughs> uh supposedly dad won, but that's uh that's that's neither here but nor there. But up a pretty good fight. <laughs> the percussion actually is is itself a part of the joke, and I really do enjoy that. Because well, yeah. it's the sound, the sound song, and they're talking about all these different sounds. So this kind of drumming is another. Sa- it's supposed to it's, emulate the sound they're hearing. Well, yeah. it's the bed knocking up against the wall. I mean, that's yeah, the only other way to, to talk about it. it. It really is, and it's this is for anybody in adulthood or even can understand this concept of what sex actually is. There's no joke here. Because it's just them describing something that's like, mommy was being hurt by daddy or something like that. Like the sort of thing that kind of gets used in a lot of other uh, medias as a nice joke. Yeah. Just to set up some framework. Well, also, I know a lot of friends who have told stories of walking in on their parents. I mean, this is a thing that people, a lot of people have experienced. I thankfully never walked into them, only heard them. But that was enough. That was the sounds for me, and I didn't yeah. need more than that. But uh, Even if you haven't experienced it, you get it. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like that's also relatable because, heaven forbid, you actually walked in on your parents. Then you can relate to this even more so. Well, it's... I'm also likely never to have had that experience, but I will. And, and interestingly enough, all throughout college, it was like never that experience of like even hearing like you know a couple of friends or anything when you were over their house. Never, never had really happened. Even like deep into college, it had never happened. And there was this one day where I was actually just sitting in the common room and I was like making this little comment to to my friend. I was just like, you know what? All this time, all this time, we're nearing the end of college here. It's never actually happened where I just heard that that mysterious squeak. Right? Go figure. You know, you'd think you're in a corridor from suite. Some point it would. 
happen. And at that point, a couple other sweet mates I knew were in the room, and you heard the moan. <laughs> right there, following the conversation. No setup. Unbelievable. It's like the law of attraction. Exactly. It's right? secret. The Murphy's law of attraction. <laughs> Murphy's law of attraction. Yeah. I like You're that. Like, That's oh, good. why? But here we actually get the monster versus ghost towards the end of it. The 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 moans, the uh, yeah, the uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that childlike imagination bleeding through to the subtly scary stuff. Maybe trying to make sense out of it. Yeah, trying to figure out. Yeah. And he's gonna solve the problem by getting his Nerf gun. Yeah. That'll 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 help. (laughs) That'll help. Dude, have you ever been shot by a Nerf gun in close range? It'll sting. It'll sting. It hurts. (laughs) And a child really doesn't know pain beyond that. But it's the the kind of Spanish (laughs) guitar that bridges the two ideas that first made me go. There's a tunnel shift towards the end. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I kind of wanted more of that because when when the guitar starts really getting into it. As sort of the awakening moment of making, hearing all those noises and walking in on mom and dad and then making sense out of all those noises, it's, quote, magic. That's what it's trying to scream out. Magic. That's the making love music. Yeah, (laughs) but it becomes childish again with the wrestling bit. They're they're, they're wrestling. Mom and dad are wrestling. Yeah, they never fully fully say, you know, they're having sex. sex. Yeah. But, I, w- I will admit that maybe from the beginning, from the time I heard the first squeak in the song, I will I did kind of predict the flow of the show, sure, and maybe that's even the joke in itself. It's yeah, like, come you on, you know. Going to climax yeah, and, uh, and then it's times like that where it's finish. like we're just full of climaxes and <laughs> God, finishes this on this. Going on forever. Yeah, in innuendo. Yeah. But you want to at that time like throw this back, like yeah, it it really has the structure of being marketed to kids if it just wasn't like. So subtly on the nose, yeah. you know. If that, that I know that's an oxymoron, but that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah, it it sets a strong setting though. The previous tracks also like that's the thing they've done so far that I really like about this EP is that they're setting a scene. Like you can picture the, either the kids show scene or the actual scene, depending on what perspective you're looking at it. Yeah, and I think by this song you're like really into that. Like they've definitely totally given into that uh, you know idea and you're you're buying in now i mean it's there's no more like are they or are they not you know making a joke about you know being a kid's obviously in 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 i think in general though if you stumble onto this seat i don't think a lot of stumbling happens for this cd i think it's a general like if you see it gets circulated you get the cd or if you are so see their video then you know some kid just sitting at his computer with eyes wide open (laughs) oh my god (laughs) what am i watching Let's try track four, the dating song. Now, I did find out that this was, um, and of course our, our resident guests may know this, but that this was the, the first song they apparently ever wrote, and that they didn't Ooh. know what their band name would be. They didn't know they were going to be quote-unquote children's educator musicians. Um, this is from Facebook, by the way. This is, wow. my, this is the extent of my research. But, uh, you know, they posted this was their, their little statement about the song, and they didn't know they would perform live or even have a CD. So this was the first thing that really made it, which is pretty cool because it really is one of the most expansive tracks on this album. Sure. The dating song is a full-fledged sketch. It brings every element that Matt it's said It's over before. five minutes long. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it builds out. And when it first starts, like, the acoustic guitar here kind of has a, almost a folk kind of vibe. And it, it feels more intricate than the kind of open strumming that a lot of the previous songs have so done. So that put it in perspective, because it made me think, like, yeah, this really is the kind of track I could I could see them writing it and saying, well, yeah, we could do this. We yeah. could do this because if it's so grand, you know, for a debut, why not continue? And... The point of views are actually 
very nice to have the, the, the back and forth between the male and female be actually the back and forth between the male and the female on the date. I like the perspective in dating, yeah. And it's they're, they're, taking, they're taking the tropes there. Uh, the male goes, and you haven't got laid in half a year. But the female is thinking about like how 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 like emotional this is and everything like that. And the guy's thinking about oh, it's all the stereotypes. Yeah. It's yeah, all the stereotypes, but it's also all the tropes of like supra modernity. Yeah. Like all of the references here are that of you're dating in 2015. Yeah, you yeah. know, this is not necessarily applicable in every single time frame. This mm-hmm. is like the modern this dating. This is the scene. Current, current dating scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know my my thing with this song is that now that now that it, it, not not knowing that knowing that this was the first song that they wrote together, yeah. it's probably been a few years, and I feel like it's gotten even worse the dating scene. So I feel mm. like this song could use a couple like more like Tweets. little. T- yeah, I'm not sure. It, Do they adding... still have the Applebee's two for twenty deal? I don't know. Actually, yeah, because <laughs> well, the, qu- the quote goes, "Well, but, uh, well, Zach says, but here's some tips that'll get you there. You'll take her out to dinner. Applebee's two for twenty is nice. <laughs> the writing just gets me. But you know what it is. Yeah. You know what it's. They're talking ask about. Ask her. Ask her if she'll split it. Yeah, because sometimes that's just how it goes. And there's that inflection again. It's all this just laying it in thick. Yeah. But it's the the actual just back and forth between the two. There's no train of thought loss. When they actually switch vocalists and switch points of view, yeah. But you can really just readily see the point of view shifting, very, very beautifully, just one to the next. I like the duality that they really put they have inside good chemistry. the song. They have just good chemistry that you can feel like too, just in in, in a general way. I think um, it doesn't feel forced, and it doesn't feel it just feels. The tete a tete is there. Yeah, yeah. They they do work well so, well for yeah. one I'll another. I'll reel that back. I think they they might in some way be trying to to submit this in a way that does feel a little forced yeah. but that becomes the joke but it, it, it's it's a concerted effort to make it feel forced and awkward right. for the pseudo child that's not listening to this if that makes any <laughs> sense well, I think also the, the, this um, album's taking an age progression and here it's like well eventually kids first of all <laughs> kids are dating younger and right younger now even in modern society it's, yeah. it's actually a thing so you know, maybe you start with this album with like the younger, you know, like five, six, seven, and then you know the later songs are more geared towards the eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, which which could be part of it also. I mean, no, there's there's a progression there definitely. And I like the drama that this song kind of goes through. When, you know, which there, I imagine there's drama in, in the dating scene. and they be- Especially when they start falling apart. Right. And emotionally. You, and you introduce yeah. additional instruments, like the piano comes in here, which also adds to drama. Because you get to this rant portion of the song where it really kind of steps up a notch. Yeah. It, really, it really reflects the second song on the track. It reflects that idea of, well, we're going to talk about puberty. Um, well, we're not just going to show you the, the moment that puberty occurs and all the stuff you're thinking about at that innocent stage. We're going to show you the whole full breadth of it. Just here, they begin very, very innocent. When you, One day you'll meet a cute boy, he'll ask you out, and you'll start to date. Maybe you'll get married. All that stuff that, that's just on the surface. That's all you know. Mm-hmm. All you know going in, and then all of a sudden stuff gets more complicated. And they go into those more complicated stages and to the point where they're talking about the modern stuff and all of the trends and all of the OkCupid, okay, Christian Mingle, J-Date, everything. 
and then finally the rants and the the, the bitterness. It's like yeah. break, they're having a breakdown, break up. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's like they're breaking well, up during the song. Zach, yeah. and Zach the music has like breaks a up too. Fifteen twenty second part where he's like just sobbing, which is he's like he ugly sobs. sobbing, impressively yeah. ugly I, sobs. It was good ugly sobbing. It was the yeah, sort yeah. of thing that you. <laughs> it was music well, to my ears. He this pushed the actual emotion he was going for right yeah. there. He gave me a great point of view for that. It's not a great point of view to be in, but it's the sort of thing that kind of rears his head in so many like romantic comedies and things like that, or the cheeky knockoff romantic comedies that are more comedy than romance, blah, blah, blah. Right. But they do a great job of really just being the crazy ones in the relationship <laughs> by the end of it. Oh, friends. Oh, you know, I'm glad you think we're such good friends. Hey, since we're such good friends, why don't you do the friendly thing and pay your friend back here for all the free meals that you've been having over the past several months? And if you poke me one more time, the way he breaks down, if you poke me one more time virtually without doing it physically, I think I'm just going to flip a lid. And who's Aaron? Like, he goes into yeah. that. Like, yeah, I like just, the, yeah, fo- uh, it's just, it's just, of it's, it. it's, it's, it's life. Yeah. When, you, like when you're delivering that. this kind of a sketch scene, the more specific you get yeah. at certain moments using specific names, specific places, can really kind of push that joke home because you're like, oh, well, who is Aaron? I want to know too. Like, who's Aaron? Yeah. And at the same same moment you're getting meatier music and that's yeah. what i really like yeah. it started it started setting uh, a lot more up for the song itself yeah this was about as layered as they got at this point everything was 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 you know was a little bit more intense and then the music is falling apart you know they were music using the music to their advantage which is something i, I didn't see in the earlier tracks so i was glad to see it here and i think it bolstered the ep i think this is something i would like to see more mm-hmm. uh present and on their debut lp whenever it's released whatever <laughs> i don't want to you know dictate their schedule here but that's that's what i'm expecting that's what i'd like well, to see yeah exactly off being a, a supermodel right now. So apparently, I don't know. yeah, that's like, what we yeah. <laughs> So from yeah, here we can... Hiatus, apparently. From here we can go to a story-driven track about a very important dinosaur, apparently, named Greg the Dinosaur. <laughs> but they're sociopaths about it. So Greg the Dinosaur shows up from... <laughs> 80 million years ago, which I don't think is exactly right. 65? Well, no, no, that's that's exactly correct. No, they're correct. talking about it like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, so I think that was 65, not 80. No, there, there's no difference. I think we're nitpicking. No, we're, 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 it's, just, it's just a carnivore. It's just a carnivore. It could be anywhere between like 165 and a 65, something like that. But the, so- ends at 65. the sociopathic part of the song starts rearing its head, the second verse, when they start taking the carnivorous dinosaur that is, in their own words, the carnivorous, unstoppable, ferocious friend and pal to all sorts of outdoorsy areas. They go to the mall, they go to the petting zoo, and they lay waste to these locations. Because well, the, the he's a dinosaur. The, that's the spoof here. Like, you know, growing up with Barney the Dinosaur and, like, all these other, like, uh, Big Bear in the Big Blue House. Yep. Like, all these shows, these are animals or creatures that in the wild would kill you. Yeah. Which but shows they, the sociopath. The appendices of childhood but it's television. Less, but it's less so. There's a dragon. Oh, wait, wait, they can get away with that because it's a dragon. <laughs> They're not real. Technically not real. But see, but the thing here is also is that they're singing about it like as if they were in a kid's show or on a kid's album and so they're delivering it deadpan and straightforward because mm. well all of these kids love dinosaurs and dinosaur friends so here's another dinosaur friend but the, being a dinosaur the trope of the magical friend like yeah. okay uh, when you when you talk, talk about like lion witch in the war the, it's a lion all right <laughs> lions eat prey 
and many lions would regard human as prey. There's, but that fantastical element is something that really doesn't make its way into children until a lot of times it, it becomes a problem. Because you, you grow up reading all about all these fantastical areas or you, you, you have all these children's shows and stuff like that that show you, yeah, bears, dragons, lions, dinosaurs. They can't be a person's friend. <laughs> Some of them are even fictitious or just non-existent. Kind of anticipating that moment when they go to their first zoo and they see that lion and then they're like, Aslan, back. Yeah, they don't understand that sort of stuff. And this is the perspective we're giving in this song. I, I like the perspective. I, it's a fun story. I also story. like the like I, the mention of like all the missiles and the soldiers and the, oh, then that, when it gets really like oh whoa we're talking about war now and uh, you know like that's really maybe intense. the way and Jeff Goldblum yeah maybe you're maybe there's sort of subtly like you know talking about like how things escalate in you know in a situation like that where guns and missiles and. Um, we yeah. Yeah. It, is, it is the most missiles. likely scenario Here's... if a if a dinosaur. Yeah. If you could just make that leap of faith that a dinosaur <laughs> is going to travel through time, would get that far, then everything else is is exactly it's the way it would go down. Fairly accurate to probably how um, it would go down. Yes. Well, except that you can't you can't take them to the mall in the first place if you manage to get them that far, like yeah. without being eaten. That you, you did pretty good. That's true. <laughs> um, I do want to talk a little bit about the instrumentation here because they're doing interesting things here too. The guitar is more rockabilly sounding. It kind of adds yeah. a playfulness to the song to add that air of fancifulness even though it's very grounded in what would really happen if yeah. you had a dinosaur i will i will just uh interject this one little criticism here i, I feel like <coughs> for, for the arc of the ep which is not something i'm really judging harshly because again we've had this big discussion on eps before and about how eps really are just have to be compilations they don't have to have any arc uh, alone but after hearing the the complexities that we did get in the previous track this was just it took it back a little bit it took it the step down we're just going to wind down the album or the ep and uh, I don't know, I just wanted to see a little bit more of it. What we did get was a little bit more maybe toward the end of this when the mm -hmm. pace starts picking up. And pace it picks up, there's a piano. Around the time well. of that, that military, you know, uh, the attack stakes are on higher. Greg. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, you got to pick it up. But apart from that, it was, it was still pretty direct. Greg the Time Traveling Dinosaur. And the guitar tells it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, this really is one of those tracks. It's, it's pretty just, straightforward. It's like, you know, what they and, wanted. And, you know, you keep having to remember that you're supposed to be putting yourself in, I don't know, in this childlike, you know, mindset. And so I, I do think that they're sticking to that sort of with this song. You know, they're keeping in there, uh, in the zone, in in the in the zone of, uh, you know, adult or children's songs for adults. So, but I, you know, I could have, it could have pushed it a little darker for me and, yeah. and really they did hit it Jurassic home. Park without the guy getting eaten off the toilet, like that graphically <laughs> done. Yeah. Yeah. It was, they blended the wonder and the darkness of Jurassic Park and left out a little bit of darkness. Right. Some, something to say to bring it back to something John said about them being sociopaths in the song. The funny thing is I've seen in a lot of media when it's a joke that you're you're portraying someone who's a sociopath, like one of the more famous ones I can think of in gaming is there's a character named the Pyro in Team Fortress 2. When they did a profile video on that character, that archetype, oh. they showed his perspective, which was he wasn't lighting things on fire. He was spraying rainbows and he there was, were butterflies. He was in My Little Pony right. at the time. Yeah, yeah. Dude's just doing dinosaur, and so, man. And so that's what this scene, like, they're, they're, they're joyful because it's we, this is fun, we have a dinosaur, all these things are happening. And I think that's kind of also a funny punchline to have, like this idea of something that's absolutely crazy for it to happen in real life but we're looking at it with a joyful smile because we're almost crazy 
Yeah. All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> and we have piano. I did. Ha we did have piano. piano that was very. And the really last like slowdown for the final chorus. Yeah. I enjoyed that. From here, we can move on to the final track of this uh, raucous EP. Yeah, I said raucous. What of oh, it? Yeah. Um, the Christmas song, uh, in the vein of the dating song, the sound song. We it's now a song. have. We have the Christmas song, um, which what I've noticed immediately is when it first starts, no sleigh bells, no cheesy Christmas sounds. It, it doesn't a... sound exactly like a Christmas song. There was song. a xylophone later. There was uh, a xylophone during, later. During the chorus. But not in the very beginning. The song, though, lyrically was, I, I, I stumbled upon it as I was reading the lyrics, not actually hearing them. It's written to Jingle Bells because it, it goes, there's Jingle Bells, Cookie Smells, it's Christmas time again. With twinkle lights and Walmart fights, you know it's Christmas when there's gingerbread and peppermint <laughs> nice. in every Starbucks cup, and Salvation Army volunteers to eat your luchain up. It's got the same. It's it's if they had done that, and they could easily done jingle bells with this. I'm so happy they didn't do it. They yeah. did something a little different. Same poetical foots. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, made it sound not like a Christmas song, but wrote it to a Christmas song. It so sounds like of... the sort of song they wrote while drinking and listening to Jingle Bells. <laughs> and then was like, oh, it's a great idea. Let's do this, but let's not make it Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It just worked out. Because Santa's not real. So it's like, you don't want to like fully get into that Christmas music. You know, you want to like... Yeah, yeah, it's you guys a know very. That, though, yeah, it's very. I'm a Jew, so uh, not, right, I don't yeah. believe in him to begin with. <laughs> I, I, I'm still, I'm still holding out. Oh. <laughs> That's adorable. Troop stocks are taking your dreams. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I really like the playful nature of the song. I like again. I'm someone who used to date somebody who would listen to Christmas music starting in the middle of October. So. The, the cheesy Christmas music, I can't really stand anymore. The good old classic stuff, I don't mind, you know. But the, the And there's expensive operatic stuff. That's the thing with me, too. I'm a, I'm a purist when it comes to Christmas music. I just think, like, some of the best stuff that has and probably ever will be made in Christmas, around Christmas time, was made around, like, the 50s and 60s. I don't know. It's just something about the atmosphere fits. Now, it always comes across as this kind of, like, tacky trade-off, which is why I think yeah. this is a little bit of a joke on that. But it doesn't really come off that tacky, for the reason you mentioned. Yeah. It doesn't really have the, the courtesy bells. Um, basically, the joke is just it because it's honest again. Slightly more festive, as you yes, said, yes, with the um, xylophone and the uh, certainly at the end. Obviously, at the end, which is like such a nice, like almost they nice, actually, very well, nice surprise. They know? paid homage to the traditional. Uh, in fact, a forget about the, forget about fifties and sixties. Yeah. I'm talking like old school. Old school would really be to go back to the old carols of like the you know eighteenth, nineteenth centuries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, holy night! So fall on your knees and hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine! Oh, night when Christ was born. They're putting the Christ. Yeah, we'll and see you back in Christmas there. There you oh, go. Putting no back. Xmas for these folks. No, no. It Christ. also showed off their vocals that, like, oh in a way God, we yeah. didn't really see. You yeah, know, I kind of wanted a hell of a lot more. Than the that harmonies at the end there were incredible. It could have been a choir. No, 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 just like, them, oh, just yeah. their yeah. voices on on this product. Yeah, I understand the uh, the the actual idea behind the music. That's that's apparent. Mm -hmm. But they actually have great voices mm -hmm. when they go for it. Mm -hmm. I want them to go for it a little bit more. Yeah. After hearing uh, Oh Holy Night, this rendition, this little, yeah. just snippet. I did, I did point out that I still think that even that in itself is a little bit of a joke, like oh, on sure. the way, because like, he was obviously one of the, one of the more 
uh, famous uh, vocalists in of this particular track was uh, Andrea Bocelli. Yeah. Um, and that's the one that everybody knows. And of course, he has this this booming operatic voice, and he really, really gets into it. Oh, night divine. What about Ray Conniff? You know. Hello. Oh, okay, that's big too. Big too. Big too. <laughs> Just saying. There's a pool, but there's, I went for one, and I stuck with it. No but, one knows who. But that. you know, he 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 in some way exact that being he channels this and he really goes for it but there's also like a little bit of a satirical twang that i hear there and because the music is also a little bit rockified in the background it's still getting it it bellows with the same intensity but it's rockified in such a way that you feel like there's a little bit of satire in the way that people all always go back to the classics even after they've done their modern maybe tacky christmas song yeah you know you got you got to pay the homage so they paid the homage too i don't know i mean my favorite christmas song that's not a traditional christmas song is uh chiron beta prime which is a jonathan colton christmas song about wanting christmas being enslaved by robots on a faraway planet but it has sleigh bells and big bells and like all this kind of very much christmassy sounds the joke is the lyrics whereas here the joke is the lyrics the joke you know the, it doesn't have a basic Christmas song structure so I, I enjoyed this even more because of that oh it had a hidden Christmas strong su- uh, well, song structure yes that's true and it was yeah and it was you know the juxtaposition of or the you know fight of uh, you know between Santa and Christ, Christ is the, it's what, only one letter off from being, Satan right yeah. being, which gets referenced fought, several Satan, times yeah, yeah. keep the Christ in Christmas don't let Satan into your heart sort of an idea going on it's got its own themes. It's got its own own jab. It's got its little jab at courtesy jab at materialism, and it it's also almost... has its well. Going off the Santa's not real thing. We're sorry to break this to you, but it's time you all should know the true story of Christmas happened many years ago when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born in Mar- from Mary's whole little joke there. Because then, of course, Karen continues holy womb, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and not some diabolic elf from the North Pole. A diabetic elf, excuse me. Diabolic would be. Worse, yeah, probably. I think so. Um, <laughs> Quit right into the lyrics. I actually like that. Um, but yeah, I think this song. I think it's also kind of a nice end to this EP because it's mm-hmm. just it's it's a song about the holidays. It came out the summer before the holidays, mm-hmm. so clearly there was intent there to get this out before the holidays. And I think it's no, I think well, it was in the summer, right? This be... was a summer release. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anything, that makes the joke even stronger because it's a Christmas track coming out in summer. It's in the summer, yeah. That right there was a nice little bit of, hey, you know what, it's the perfect time of year. Everybody's hot. They're sweating. It's 90 degrees out. No, I think it was just we'll pull every cliche where nothing yeah. is past us. Yeah. yeah. Christmas and summer. Uh, uh, I like, I think that the it just builds to that, like we said, the, the old Holy Night ending. And, like, it's the biggest moment of the album like it is really a big moment yeah. it's a good Vocally, closer musically and are, I like there are, just sort of like there are ah! tracks there are multiple tracks yeah, yeah so, no yeah so it, it it feels like like you know I gave me closure yeah, there you go. Well, that's important. We that's what we're here. here on, we're here to help on, you get closure Cyber Saturday you know yes. this being released so we're sort of I guess it's not too early anymore to uh, start talking about Christmas well it is time this will air on the Black Friday. This is a Black Friday podcast. Oh, is it Black Friday? Podcast. Yeah, it'll be Black Friday podcast. Oh, nice. But it'll be out before Cyber Saturday, so it'll be out right before go. to promote that new single there, coming out. There you and go. for all there those who uh, stayed up all night and most of the morning to get those deals, I'm 
I'm so sorry. I'm not mm-hmm. sorry. They get what they deserve. They yeah. get what they deserve. No pity for people who put themselves through that. None. Okay, I'm I sorry your children force you oh, fair yeah. enough. to go That's and it. get the newest console of whatever you're getting That's now. That's what Amazon Prime is for, man. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> Truth. Truth. All right, so <laughs> it's uh, monologue time, but here's what we're going to do. We're not going to give a rating at the end of these monologues because these they're, they're an interesting project and they're still kind of upstarts in the community. They're not. They don't have an LP out yet. I feel like a, a band that doesn't quite have that LP out shouldn't necessarily get the same rating like we have tended to do um, uh, against the pantheon of music as it is as it stands. This is a very specific project, so we're still gonna kind of divulge our our feelings on it. Um, but just no number. So just don't expect that in the Excel archive, which you can children, find on the front know, of the page. We're right. just gonna put right. not about numbers. <laughs> just complete unrateable, undefinable. Yeah, it's not about um, cup sizes. <laughs> <laughs> I and and I enjoy this sort of juxtaposition. This is one of my favorite types of comedy because it's comedy full of tragedy in a lot of ways. Being an adult sucks. <laughs> it really does at the end of the day. <laughs> You, 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 you get jaded, you get tired, you work, you hurt all the time. I'm, I, I don't understand why my back hurts. Not everyone is as cranky <laughs> as you, John. I'm 30. My back shouldn't hurt. Mm. Not like this. Yeah. I'm complaining about mattresses and taking Motrin. This is not something <laughs> I envisioned myself doing in my life. And this is an album, an EP that, that really kind of speaks to me because I'm an adult. I mean, it's hard for an album like this not to speak to you if you're an adult in at least America. Like this, it, it's 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 very much that. I like it, I really do, but the meaty parts where they start layering stuff on, I want a lot of that. That's what I really want because it was, it was turning into the music that really started pairing up with the ideas and the comedy uh, elements of the lyrics and the vocals that I was really enjoying. That was super cool. I want I want that extra production value. So I'm kind of curious when an LP comes out, when there is that extra bit in the production, when they start doing the layers. I really want to hear that. Um, for me, I mean, it's no secret to the podcast listeners that uh, I am a fan of comedy music. I brought Lonely Island on. I was, I believe, the first one to bring on They Might Be Giants. Um, of course, yep. I'm friends with... 38. I'm friends with Afterbirth Monkey. I have met Killy through that connection and others in comedy music. And so I'm a fan of this stuff. And I think that what the Dreamstalks are doing here, especially as a shtick, is a really good shtick. I mean, especially for a live show from what you've told me, Killy, the fact that they embody these almost stick up their butt, you know, children's entertainers sort of that kind of lose it through the show. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the part that really sells me on this album is that not only are they those kinds of children's entertainers, but then they still completely lose it in tracks because they reality sits, sets in. It's actually a lot like uh, Stephen Lynch, though. I think mm-hmm. Lynch has, like, he's just missing his soul at that point when he's up on stage. Well, Lynch like, also, he's yeah. just dead inside. That's right. the character he plays. They still have, feel like they have that, maybe it's a maybe it's a plastic soul in front of their face, but it's still kind of there. But the darkness leaks out, and I like that. They don't go as dark as I think I would like, but also this is, again, their, their first release, and so I, I think that the capacity is there because the drama that they create in certain songs, like uh, What's Going On Down There and uh, the dating song, there's more to mine there. Clearly, they have a theater background. Clearly, they they 
have these characters very well sculpted. And so I'm interested to see more. I'm looking forward to an EP, or an LP rather, because this is an EP, and I highly recommend it. No, I think you both hit it in the head, especially John with the plastic soul. I think that is kind of what this is about. Um, they're putting on this, this this persona where they're kind of hiding back the truth, but then the truth seeps out, and the truth is there in the lyrics, but yet the the, the face is on. It's just the giant, you know, just uh, plastic smile. Botox smile, yeah. And I just... It's, it's, it's interesting, and I think also Stephen Lynch was a pretty good comparison, because when you think about his work, he also didn't have a lot of inflection. There was there was a kind of dead-inside nature to him, and it wasn't full of all these different tracks. He was just basically, all right, yeah, guy, guitar, I sing. Um, not too much more. So I think they're following in that tradition, and it may very well be that you would lose the joke if you did like have too many more layers. Um, what I would like to see a little more of is maybe just some some... A little more in the writing itself, like in, in their formulation of stanzas and coming up with rhyme schemes. Rhyming is not everything. It doesn't come down to that, like, wholly with me. I'm a very, very much a fan of, like, a free-form, uh, non-rhyming structure. I just wish the punchline was a little bit heavier at the end in certain cases. But otherwise, I still think it left me with a nice little middle ground between being a kid and being an adult and the things you wonder as a kid and the things you reflect on sometimes repressively as an adult. I think that was a pretty a pretty cool middle ground in, in retrospect that they're walking. So uh, yeah, that's how I feel about the EP. I believe it has the, the potential to be formulated with a really, really vast concept arc concerning a certain subject of taboo childhood on an LP. Eager to see it. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> That's your <laughs> like, monologue. Uh, That's how it goes. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I like it. I brought it. Um, I my perspective of the album is different in that I've seen the live show, and so uh, I think this kind of album uh, for me is a great product to be able to give the uh, consumer who's come to see your show and to sort of have something to take home. Uh, you already kind of get the context and you get the idea of them. I also feel like um, obviously video does this uh, sort of genre and idea of the um, comedy music, um, fa you know, faux uh, children's entertainers thing. It does it. It helps that uh, push that idea along with the music. Um, you know, my I I I. I I love um, that they stick to their um, very. Um, they keep it. They keep it much like the live show. So I, I sort of am a fan of that. However, it, it would be exciting, I think, to take that LP or that EP home, depending on what, what they end up doing, and and getting this fuller more excited you know more instruments more things going on maybe some toys and little like things that children you know are, are used to hearing and enjoying uh, toy instruments or something hmm. um, but their playfulness together their chemistry is something that I, I think is great having someone to work off of those breakdowns those break you know breakups and breakdowns that they're having you know that you think of having them having in front of these children um, that's what makes it for me. Uh, it's theatrical. Like I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of theatrical music, and comedy music. This is this is. Uh, I'd like to see it develop more. I'd like to see them do more. And I hope you guys can go see them live sometime because that's where, that's where they really shine. I think for me. Yeah. Question on their live stuff. Is it really like the the straight laced persona of like we come here to sing you a song? Yeah. They. Stay, that's what we're gonna do. Absolutely. Stay in character the whole time, and the and the bits between, which. 
I think this album could have benefited from a lot mm. would be little the little sketches in between that they do and that's that's a, how they talk to each other. That's actually a great observation, which I find works really, really well on comedy albums. Like even back to that initial Tenacious D release, remember where he yeah. had all, yeah. of the, all of the little mini sketches between mm-hmm. their songs and it really did bridge together their chemistry. And it's okay to have that on a comedy album because it is mo- a lot about dialogue. And then you really bring it home with the music and, and use the music to... Uh, to ramp up your your overall You get to goal. know more about who they are and what they're doing, you know, because you can't see them yeah. because you're listening to an album. So, Same with Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Like, these are my, my comedy music idols. A picture. Yeah. yeah, me too. So, uh, and I think that they have... Like, I would hazard their fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan, and um, I hope they keep making uh, new stuff and uh, make it, develop it into a theater show, like I said, because I think that's where this this could really shine. This kind of music, so and this kind of show. All right. Um, before we wrap up the show neatly with a bow, or maybe sloppily, depending on how you look at it, <laughs> um, I would like Steve to read a listener mail. Um, we have a listener request, which will also inform what we are reviewing next week. All right. This is uh, from back in September. It shows you that we have a little bit of a backlog, and we have <laughs> we have schedules to keep and whatnot. But um, this is from Jessica Votaw, which I believe you met on the cruise. Is that correct? So yes, um, Crash Chords autographs for a little background for Achilles, and she's sitting yeah. here. Um, I went on a, a, my honeymoon with my wife. We went to Bermuda, and we befriended a uh, sketch comedy duo who has a podcast, and some of their listeners were also on the boat. And so we actually end up recording a several podcasts in our suite with all of these people. And so Jessica and, pod- and her husband, Joey. The podcast wrote, is called The Ice Cream... The Ice Cream Social. The Ice Cream uh, Social. Matt Mattingly's Ice Cream Social. Yeah. Um, and, and they're a spinoff of Penn Gillette's uh, Penn Sunday School. And their listeners are they are affectionately known as scoops. Correct. Uh, so Jessica Vota is, is one of the scoops. Yes. And that's how she uh, contacted Matt. And this is her suggestion. So hello, Matt Storm et al. I like that. I'm a new listener, so I don't know if you usually review a lot of metal, but I have a new album from my favorite metal band, Huntress, for you to check out. If you go to the band's Twitter account, at Huntress Kills, you should be able to find out all the details. Their third studio album is released today, and yes, today was September 25th, (laughs) uh, 2015, so sorry about the lateness. Um, And the album was called Static, Uh, but she says she highly recommends their first album, Spell Eater, and their second album, Starbound Beast, as well. Um, We'll definitely take into account uh, the previous work they've done, but we'll be looking at Static. So uh, thank you. As she says, rock on, Jessica Botel. All right. Well, thank you, Jessica. I appreciate the recommendation. You guys need to name your fans. Like, your fans need names, too. Crash Cordians. Crash Cordians. Crash Cordians. Cord- the Cordians. I'll come up the with Cordians. something. Uh, I, I got I to reach Cordians? into my mu- music no. dictionary. Don't right. worry. You'll, you'll think I'll come up with something. Um, EF chords. <laughs> so I like that. <laughs> thank you again, Killy Dwyer. Killy Mockstar Dwyer for being me. on the show. It was um, fun. It's a pleasure to get to meet you in person. Hopefully we can get together again, not yes. in front of a microphone, yes. hang out. Um, yes. This was fun. I hope to get to see you live now yes. that you're back you in town. come see me live. So um, that, that, I'm so excited to see the new the live stuff, considering what you've said about Upcoming it. Upcoming shows, plugs, dates? Yeah, I'm uh, taking some time off. I just <laughs> finished touring and I... <laughs> Too late. Just really, like, I... Yeah, I'm so focused on. I'm actually gonna enjoy the holidays, which I generally Great. tend to like rush through because I'm performing <laughs> all the time. So I'm gonna go to a bunch of shows, and then I'll be back in like January, um, uh, doing you know I'll be around town. So all right, we'll be sure to share. Kelly, the kid. Com. 
There you go. Um, and uh, before you read our sign-off, as we have our guests do, I want to, of course, introduce your final track that we're playing at the end of this podcast. It is called God Wants You to Come. John previewed it. It's from also Happy Ending, so innuendo as you will. Um, and uh, we were talking the song for a bit, and uh, I it's, a as I recall, a reggae song, like a really, really good reggae song. Yeah, I also believe it's not an innuendo. I believe it's just blatant. Yeah, it's informational. <laughs> innuendo implies pretty, some yeah. sort of shroud. That's yeah. true. I don't even... I think you could have left it at innuendo implies. I don't yes. even spell it C-O-M-E. I spell it C-U-M. I'm like... They're just going just, for it. Let's just do it. So, again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And please sign us off for this week of Crash Chords. All right. Music is life, and life is good. Since 1959, the West End of Kingston, Jamaica, has throbbed with a musical beat. A hypnotic sound of surging excitement and power. People hearing it became caught up in a frenzy and couldn't help moving with this pulsating, almost religious speech. No need to feel no shame, his story is to blame. You say you never came, you think your lady parts are lame, the glitterous. Is the only human organ designed purely for your pleasure. Four inches of clit inside your body, a tiny penis that you can measure. The clitoris is so special and unique. 20,000 nerve endings, it's not the place you be. But it's real close by, and it's like a tiny buzzer. Ring your bell a bit, and soon you will discover that God wants you to come. God wants you to come God wants you to come I said God wants you to come you to come God wants you to come I said God wants you
create, just there to stimulate. Toot, 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 on that hood of fish whistle. She's the star of the show, if you're in the know. It's about the sweet fat and not about the holy cause God wants you to come. 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 this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.